0: Bell, somewhere in time. The night featuring Coast to Coast AM from July 10th, 1998. From the high desert and the great American Southwest,
1: I bid you all good evening or good morning, as the case may be, dependent on your time zone. From the Tahitian and Hawaiian island chains out west, eastward to the Caribbean and the U.S. Virgin Islands, south into South America, north all the way to the pole and worldwide. On the ever-growing, boy is it growing, internet. Hello there, I'm Art Bell and this is Coast to Coast AM. We were going to have tonight a celebration of attaining the 400th affiliate. Can you believe it? That's right. Officially now, 400. We are going to have that celebration sometime next week, probably toward the end of next week, a Thursday, a Friday, something next week. But in case you're curious, we, we have done it. <laughs> it's the uh, 400 mark, and we try to observe in some small but official way each century mark of affiliates. So we're going to be doing that uh, next week. Now, also next week, uh, Tim Cannon will be here to update the chat club, which are not fan club situation, the ever growing chat clubs across America so that'll be uh, that'll also be next week at some point we're going to uh, speak with Benjamin Krim he's a very interesting man who has who is saying now that um, Matreya, brother Matreya is here on earth now actually here on earth now. Uh, that Maitreya will be recognized by Christians as Christ, Jews uh, as the Messiah, Muslims, and so forth and so on. You get the idea. In other words, the big guy is here now. And a lot of people have wanted me to have him on, and so we shall. Quite uh, quite a coup, actually, to get him on the air. He's here in America uh, doing a speaking tour. Welcome. This is Coast to Coast AM. You know what? We're up to 400 affiliates. Now we're going to have a celebration. We were thinking of having it tonight, but we're going to put it off until next week. But that's it, folks. We have made for the big 400. Isn't that incredible? So we'll have a celebration next week. Uh, Let's see, what else? There's uh, any number of pieces of news that I've got to get to. But I've got this dangerous guy that we're going to get on the air here. So I've got to get to that. Drives me nuts when people call and tell me I can't have somebody on the air. It really makes me want to have them on. I think that probably says something about my personality. I don't know what. Anyway, born in Glasgow, Scotland, Benjamin Krim began studying art at an early age developing into an accomplished painter in the modernistic style. His paintings have been exhibited in a number of prestigious galleries. Throughout the early years, Krim also studied various aspects of esoteric philosophy, in particular the teachings released in the late 1800s. He'll tell you about those. Those teachings led him to believe in the existence of masters of wisdom, a group of perfected men who are the custodians of the divine plan for our planet. It nevertheless came as a complete surprise to him when in 59, he apparently was contacted by one of these masters. He was told, among other things, that Maitreya, the master of all masters, would return to live in the everyday world in about 20 years, and that Krem would, if he chose to, have a role in this coming. Wow. More than a decade later, in 72, Krem began a period of arduous training under his master's direction to prepare him for this coming task. In 74, he gave the first public talk on the emergence, soon giving weekly lectures in London. He is now, uh, actually, I believe, spoken all over the world. As many as 70... Actually, his um, magazine is produced in five languages by volunteer staff and read in 70 countries. He normally resides in London with his wife and children, and now is a representative uh, of Maitreya, a roving ambassador at large, if you will. I wonder if he's really... uh, uh, Here is Benjamin Krem. Uh, Benjamin, are you a dangerous guy?
2: Oh, yes, I suppose I am. Are you? Very dangerous indeed. (laughs) Because what I'm talking about is nothing less than the complete transformation of this world along better lines.
1: Well, I could use some of that.
2: Yes, indeed. So that's a very dangerous person to be if you are talking to people who are totally encased in the values of today and in love with the present-day structures, however evil, however insane they might
1: be. Uh Uh-huh. Well, evil and insane are a couple of good words, I think, that describe... Today, in an awful lot of ways, um, I wrote a book. I understand you read it, uh, or at least uh, excerpts.
2: I've been enjoying it, yes. I've been reading it over the last few days.
1: Called The Quickening. and yes. it, Unfortunately, much of what I wrote a couple of years ago uh, is now manifesting itself yes. uh, around the world. Yes, absolutely so. And um, perhaps in your unique position, you could explain to me... What's going on? Well, something quite
2: extraordinary is going on. Nothing less than the emergence into our midst of that group of perfected men that you spoke of, the masters of wisdom, and the master of all the masters, the Lord Maitreya.
1: Are are these what others call ascended masters?
2: Well, some of them are ascended. it's It's a hierarchy, and there are masters of different degrees Uh there are the ordinary masters as it were who have taken all five of the major planetary initiations which eventuate as a master and uh, then there are degrees above that of cosmic awarenesses which make you an ascended master but not all the masters are ascended
1: um Take me back to when you were first contacted. Uh, It has to be, uh, at least it had to be at that moment, a very strange, unsettling experience for you. What happened?
2: Well, a man came to me and told me that I was receiving messages, communications from the masters. I knew about the masters. I'd read about them through the Theosophical teachings, through the Alice Bailey teachings, the Agna Yoga teachings, and firmly believed in their reality, but had not the slightest expectation of any kind of contact with them.
1: Was this a mortal man who came to you?
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: Um, I mean, knocked one day, you know, knocked on your door, or what?
2: Well, I knew him in a a different function, but he told me one day that I was receiving communications from the Masters, and I said, no, I'm not. He said, oh, yes, you are, and I've been sent to tell you that you are. I said, well, I don't hear them. It is normally a telepathic rapport which they establish with their disciples. He said, no, the messages come to you, but they just bounce off you. I said, why is that? He said, because you're not open. Now, I didn't know what that meant because, as I say, I believed in the fact of the masters, but I wasn't thinking about them. I wasn't expecting any communications. I just believed in their existence. He said, don't worry, it'll come, it'll settle down. And probably because I had been alerted to the fact, within about, I've forgotten now, five, maybe six weeks, the first contact got through. It was the 3rd of January, 1959. And I heard, it was as if a beam of light or energy had been focused at my head. And my consciousness was raised by several notches. And there was created a kind of, in a tranquil space, all my own thoughts disappeared, and into that space was placed a message as clear as your voice over the telephone. Now, it said, "Go to if you're not London, Blackfriars Bridge, south side, Blackheath side," and it gave me a date. It was about three weeks ahead, uh, 18th of January, 9:30 9, uh, p.m. And I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget it. Right. And uh, on the time I, I went out there with, you know, quite a thrilling expectation. Cause I didn't know what I was going to find. And I crossed the bridge down to the south side. There was no one about. It. It's a very uh, business area, south bank of, of Blackfriars Bridge. At night, it's pretty deserted. But there was a car waiting at the far end of the bridge, and I sidled up and sort of looked inside it. And there were some people in. I didn't know, but one of them was the man who had come and told me I was receiving these these communications from the masters. And the oh, whole thing started right. from there.
3: Uh-huh. The
2: master's voice got, got louder as I might say. He told me to get a tape recorder. I got a small uh, Grundig uh, tape recorder. Funny. And he began to give me long dictations which I simply mouthed aloud and recorded. And he kept doing this for about three months, and the, the, he was really perfecting the telepathic rapport, and I got quicker and quicker and quicker at it, I could get it, you know, without hesitation, in the beginning it was a bit slow, but I got very good at it, and just recorded whatever he said, and then on the, in, sometime in, in March uh, of the same year, 1959, he suddenly said that, switch off the machine and kneel down. He said, our master, Maitreya himself has something important to tell you. And then I had the most extraordinary experience of my life to date. I was overshadowed, as it's called, by Maitreya. Some probably minuscule fragment of his consciousness entered into mine. And I was filled with the love of all the world, an extraordinary experience of total identification with everything and everybody in the world. A kind of universal experience such as I had never felt before. I was filled with this tremendous energy of love, and at the same time it gave me a vision of how the masters see reality. It was as if I was inside a great sphere, a white sphere of light. And what I have to say on the right side and the left side, because there weren't really sides, but just as a way of describing it, On my right side, I could see all the events of the past which had ever taken place, going back and back, sort of in full, back and back and back into the very dawn of time. And I could see events, some of which I seem to recognize from from history in school and so on, kings and queens and battles and, and terrible catastrophes and various events in history. And there was a kind of thin film over everything, so it wasn't sharp, but it was quite clear nevertheless, and all in color. And then on the other side, as it were, on my left side, I could see all the events of the future, which were simultaneously taking place. And I could see myself in the future, I could see my trea, I could see the masters, I could see crowds of people filled with joy, shouting and calling for Maitreya and weeping and so glad that it was extraordinary scenes on and on into the future and all of this was taking place simultaneously
1: what a remarkable how the masters see the world what a remarkable story now I'm it's sort of impertinent but I have to pose this question there are many people who see visions and hear voices and uh, it is a rather common psychological malady. So it's a question that uh, should be asked right away. How are you sure that you were not suffering some sort of um, psychological malady when all of this occurred? Well, I was
2: prepared by the master. You know, this didn't happen in a kind of vacuum. This happened in response to the overshadowing by my which had never occurred before, and was prepared in advance for me by the Master, with whom I had been working daily for the three months before that time, from the beginning of January to sometime in March. So it wasn't something that just suddenly happened, and I didn't know where it was coming from. I uh-huh. knew very well where it was coming from.
1: But, but even slowly, uh, even in, in, in a preparatory manner, um, how could you be sure that what you were being told what you were seeing and hearing was real, prepared for it or not, how could you...
4: Be- well,
2: I may, if I may say, put it this way, when I was first contacted by the Master, I made him prove his reality to me in dozens and dozens of ways. And he did. He made things disappear. He, he, he healed animals and birds. He healed people. He did the most extraordinary things at my request to prove the validity of his being.
1: All right, let's understand who we're speaking of here. Uh, Maitreya. You, is Maitreya Jesus and Buddha and uh, Allah and um, all that is worshipped on no. earth now? Or no. no.
2: Maitreya is the world teacher in that group of, from our point of view, perfected men who are... The spiritual hierarchy or or spiritual uh, esoteric hierarchy of the planet. They are the custodians of the plan of evolution for this planet. Most people, I think, imagine that evolution proceeds in a kind of haphazard way. It does not. It proceeds according to a very definite plan for the unfolding of the potential of the human race and of the subhuman races until a certain... State of perfectionment of that evolutionary process is reached, and the planet will have fulfilled the the, uh, plan of the heavenly man, the the planetary logos, whose body of expression this planet is
1: well, believe me when I tell you that right now a lot of Christians are listening and um, they will of course uh, talk of Jesus and they will consider the the I, I want to say person, but is it is it proper to return uh, the Messiah? You re- you refer to Maitreya as the Messiah, correct?
2: Maitreya is expected by all religious people under different names. Christians await the return of the Christ as Jesus, right? Maitreya overshadowed Jesus from the baptism to the crucifixion two thousand years ago in Palestine and manifested himself as the Christ. Maitreya is the Christ in that he embodies in himself. He is so advanced and so pure, he can actually embody, not simply channel through himself, but embody in his own being what we call this Christ principle. So this planet has created a Christ. However unadvanced this planet is, and this is an extraordinary achievement, we, the earth, have created a being ...high enough to embody the Christ principle. And that is what Maitreya is. He overshadowed Krishna and worked through Krishna. He overshadowed Shankaracharya and others and worked through them. He overshadowed Jesus from the baptism to the crucifixion. And he showed the love aspect. The Christ aspect is the love aspect. And he is the embodiment, the Lord of love. He showed that love in a man, in its perfection... For the first time through Jesus.
3: Well, Benjamin.
2: Jesus is now one of his closest associates. Associates. As advanced, what you mentioned earlier, ascended masters.
1: Well, what would you say to Christians who await the return of Christ?
2: Well, they are right. They, they, they are awaiting the return of Christ. The Buddhists call him Maitreya Buddha, foretold to come now by Gautama Buddha, who said at this time would come into the world. Another great teacher, a Buddha like himself, by name Maitreya, who from his great spiritual stature would galvanize and inspire humanity to create a brilliant golden civilization
1: there's also, put
2: it on righteousness and truth.
1: Benjamin, there's also one coming who might be called Batreya. It's going to be the Antichrist, and there are many, I bet, who believe that what you're talking about may be the emergence or the appearance of the Antichrist. So we'll ask you about that when we get back. And also, it, it is true that you believe Matreya, uh, as you call him, is here on Earth right now, correct?
2: Right now, living in London, England.
1: Living in London. All right. Okay. Uh, we're going to break here at the bottom of the hour. Zillions of you have requested Benjamin Krem, and tonight he's here. I'm Art Bell.
0: And this is Coast to Coast AM. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from July 10, 1998. Time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from July 10, 1998. Good morning, everybody.
1: Benjamin Krem is here. He has a voice that sounds strangely like Malachi Martin's, doesn't he? He's here talking about Maitreya. Matreya, who is here on Earth now, right now, lives in London. Oof. How about that? So, we'll get back to him in just a moment. Alright, the same person who said Benjamin Krem is dangerous now writes, You ask what's dangerous, Art? Why don't you ask one of your favorite guests, Malachi Martin, what he thinks about Benjamin Krem? Well, I will. Because Malachi Martin will be here Monday night. As a matter of fact, a little promo time here. Brad Steiger will be here on Dreamland Sunday, and then uh, Malachi Martin, Father Malachi Martin, will be here on Monday night. So let's go back now to uh, Benjamin Krim. I think he's Benjamin. You're in New York, aren't you?
2: I'm in New York, yes.
1: And uh, actually, you—that uh, is the very same place Father Malachi Martin is, I've been advisor to a couple of popes. Um, a remarkable man. And my faxer says why I should ask uh, Malachi Martin about you. What do you think a Catholic priest would have to say about what you're saying?
2: He would think I was talking about the devil, or, as you said, the Antichrist. Yes. Yes. Surely would.
1: Betrayer, I'm calling him. Yes. Um, how do you know that you're not?
2: There is a total misunderstanding of what the Antichrist is. Most Catholics, most Orthodox Christians see the Antichrist as a man who will come before the Christ and could even be mistaken for the Christ. Right. Will promise, you know, the the moon to humanity, but in fact he is really the devil incarnate. Nothing could be further from the truth. It is not a man. The Antichrist is an energy, a force, a destructive force which is deliberately released to break down the old order, and to prepare the way for the Christ. It was, it's in Revelations of St. John, as you know, but the beast 666 is unchained for a time, and then chained down for a time, and half a time. This refers to what we call the Antichrist energy. It's the destructive aspect of the first aspect of God, God the Father Mm -hmm. aspect of God, the will aspect, in esoteric terminology it has two phases in its constructive positive phase it is the will to good in its destructive phase it is what we call the Antichrist it is deliberately released to break down that which precedes the advent of the Christ it was released in John's own day through the Emperor Nero to bring an end uh, to the uh, the Roman Dispensation, to prepare the way for Christendom. It was released again in our time through Hitler, a group around him in Nazi Germany, together with a group of militarists in Japan, and a further group around Mussolini in Italy. And these three powers, the Axis powers, in the war with the Allies from 1939 to 45, embodied the energy we call the Antichrist. Not just their evil but the evil of all humanity from the very beginning. By the defeat of the Axis powers, by the allies behind whom stood Maitreya and the forces of light, the spiritual hierarchy of our planet, the masters of wisdom and and, uh, and Maitreya at the head, the, the forces of evil on this planet are defeated, not destroyed, but defeated for the time being. So the beast has been released, now it must be chained down for a time and half a time. That refers to the time, the age which is now opening, the age of Aquarius as we call it, which will be the next 2350 to 500 years, plus half the succeeding age, the age of Capricorn, when the beast will be released once again, there will be another great war at that time, which will be fought out on the mental planes. And one day it will end in a complete destruction of the forces of evil on this planet. It has been released on the astral planes for thousands of years. Over the last hundred thousand years, that war has been going on on the astral planes, precipitated by Hitler and company onto the physical plane, in really from 1914 to 1918, and then again from 1939 to forty five. Because from the Master's point of view, that is really one war, which went underground in 18 and came up, up above ground again in 1939. You
1: said that you so were... the
2: Antichrist is gone. It's been, it's gone, it's done its destructive work. That is the little Armageddon. The true great Armageddon will not take place until the middle of the age of Capricorn okay. in about 3,500 years from now.
1: All right, you said that you were shown the past... Yes. Uh, and you were also shown the future.
2: Yes.
1: Well, I'm particularly interested in the future. What um, what can you tell us about what you saw? What lies ahead for us?
2: What lies ahead for humanity if it makes the right decisions? And my is convinced that we shall make the right decisions due to his work. That is why he's here to inspire humanity to make the right decisions to create what will be a completely new type of world. He brings heavenly energies and we change the world so we have a new heaven and a new earth, as it says in the Bible. And Maitreya puts it this way. When you see and hear me, you will realize that you have known for long the truths which I utter. Sharing and justice, brotherhood and freedom, are not new concepts. From the dawn of time... Mankind has linked his aspiration to these beckoning stars. Now, my friends, shall we anchor them in the world. These are the words of Maitreya through me. And that's what we shall do. We shall create, through sharing of the world's resources, for the first time on the world-scale justice in the world. A new brotherhood, a realization of of the brotherhood and sisterhood of all peoples.
1: We are one family. Yes, right now the resources uh, in the world are severely limited and appear to be finite and uh, are being used up rather quickly. So how are we going to do this sharing?
2: Well, they are, in fact, used up by the developed one-third of the world. That's correct. The third of the world of which we are a part, usurp and waste three-quarters of the world's food, and 83% of all other resources.
1: Uh, well, for example... Because we uh, have a
2: wasteful society. No, let's, take a, let's
1: take oil, for example, uh, Benjamin. Uh, if we continue to use oil that we pull from the ground at um, current rates, in 40 to 45 years or less, all of the um, oil is going to be gone.
3: Yes.
1: Now, if one-third of the world or less is using all of this oil, and the other two-thirds of the world is quickly trying to become what we are. Uh, Again, I ask, how do we share these resources?
2: Well, we don't bother about the oil because we shall have a new technology. We shall? Andrea calls it the technology of light, which will give us unlimited power for all our activities, for all industry, for heating and lighting and transport and every other aspect. We shall have unlimited Uh, energy directly from the sun itself this is the new technology of light which when we share the resources of the world and guarantee justice for all people everywhere and therefore the possibility of peace for the first time because without justice there will never be peace and without sharing there will never be justice so if we accept Maitreya's premise that we are one and that the resources of the world are given by divine providence for all of us, and share more equitably the resources of the world, create justice, and create for the first time peace in the world, then that technology will become ours.
3: Well, even the most
2: powerful technology that we could imagine, cosmic and source, uh-huh. but without peace in the world, it would be the most dangerous technology that we could use.
1: Well, even, even Christians... Um Benjamin, uh, tend to take the attitude, because of what they uh, read in the Bible, that the resources are given to us to use, no problem, go ahead and use them, that's what they are there for, that kind of attitude, and that sounds yes, a little very like very
2: foolish. <laughs> I mean, we are destroying the planet by, by misusing the resources.
1: All right, well, you said that uh, Matreya said that we will make the right decisions. I don't see any evidence of that just yet.
2: Well, according to the masters, we are beginning to do so. According to the masters, and I think it's clear, if you look at the world today compared with even 10 years ago or 15 years ago, and Maitreya came into the world, I mean literally into the modern world, into London in July 1977. And since that time, from behind the scenes, through certain individuals in the in heads of, of government and so on, he has been creating the conditions which we now see end of the Cold War, the opening up and the freeing of the states of of Russia, the the coming together of the two Germanys, capitalist West Germany and communist East Germany. An unthinkable thing has happened. The the, uh, extraordinary transformation in South Africa, where Nelson Mandela, who for 27 years was incarcerated in prison as the head of a of a proscribed organization, the ANC, is now the president of of a new South Africa. Apartheid is a thing of the past. All of that is really the result of the inspiration of Maitreya. He inspired Mr. Gorbachev to come to America and to talk peace and to open up, uh, through Glasnost, the Soviet Union. He he, uh, came to Nelson Mandela in his prison cell and told him to write to the president for a meeting. And um, Nelson Mandela smiled and said, look, I cannot even get a meeting with the, with the governor of the prison. And Maitreya said, never mind, I know that, but you write the letter and you will see. I will do the rest.
1: Okay. Um, is, is Maitreya uh, is a now physical, mortal form being who lives in London. Was Maitreya born as an infant? No. No. He is
2: in a self-created body many of the masters appear in the self-created body which is called the mayavi rupa so, which literally means the body of illusions
1: so, so in, uh, in other words Maitreya, Maitreya then appeared as an in adult form is uh, that in
2: adult form yes
1: okay in 1977 and he the
2: ability to change that form at will oh so he can be old or young Fair, dark, a man, a woman, a child, whatever he wishes to be.
1: Have you, in the physical, met with Maitreya in London?
2: I have, but not in his real form. I have met him uh, as a woman, uh, a refugee woman in in the train in in London with a child. And uh, she, so-called she, asked me for some money. I gave her some money. The child looked miserable. And she went up and down the... The, uh, the, the train, you know, begging. Uh, but yes. in the carriage where I met her, there was no one else in the carriage, so she wasn't making much money. And uh, the child actually was the Master Jesus. And this sort of happening occurs all the time. The Masters work together. Maitreya and the Master Jesus seem to be incredibly close, and they work together all the time. Sometimes one is the man... The other time, and the other one's a man, or the, and so on. the change positions and change appearance and so on.
5: Do you the other time
2: you're... I met him was in California,
5: California. in
2: Berkeley, Cal- where Berkeley, yeah, Berkeley, California, where he appeared as a, I suppose you would say, a modern day, slightly hippie, quite casually dressed, but nicely dressed uh, man with a little bomber jacket on and uh, and a hat. And he asked me for a couple of dollars to for gas for his uh, truck. I couldn't see any truck, so I gave him a couple of dollars, and that was Maitreya. How do you know? It didn't look like Maitreya, but you, how, I see Maitreya as he looked. How do you know? Well, I'm in touch with one of the masters. I have a moment-to-moment contact with one of Maitreya's closest disciples, and through this moment-to-moment contact, I could verify any experience I have, and if Maitreya ap- 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 wishes to appear as a, as a beggar man as he often does, and hundreds of people have such experiences, I could ask, ask the Master, was that Maitreya? And some people say, no, it wasn't. Yes, mm-hmm. it was. And that was the Master Jesus. I've seen the Master Jesus years ago who came to my house in London and asked for, if I could give them something to eat. Do you, do you have any idea?
1: Do you have any idea how many toes you're stepping on with this?
2: Oh, I know that. That's why I'm dangerous,
1: you know. I am beginning to agree with the facts here. Yeah. You, you you are kind of dangerous.
2: Well, dangerous in the sense that this upsets the conventional view of life and the future. And
1: oh, this upsets nearly everybody. But it must.
2: Times, as you know, are changing. And the changing uh, yes. times bring new personalities in different ways into the world. Our old conceptions of the Bible story and, and the the Gospels and so on have to change. The people who will find it probably hardest of all to accept Matreya are the leaders of the Christian and oh, the Jewish absolutely, organization.
1: Absolutely. All right, let me try and ask you a really hard question. But then question. we have
2: the same problem
1: 2,000 years ago with Jesus. I know. Jesus
2: was there among them who didn't recognize him. Look,
1: let me ask you a tough question. Uh, You said that it was proven to you in so many ways that Maitreya was real. You saw miracles. Miracles were performed for you. By
2: my master,
1: yes. Yes. Now.
2: My master is not Maitreya. My master is a disciple of Maitreya. I understand that.
1: I understand that. But um, from the point of view of those who are listening to you right now, uh, they, they, they would ask, um, if this is all true, then why not request and receive for the world undeniable proof in the form of some sort of miracle that would cause people to believe as concretely as you do?
2: The world today is filled with miracles. Let me just mention a few of them. Maitreya says, those who search for signs will find them, but my method of manifestation is more simple. But the world is filled with signs of his presence. Take, for instance, in the Christian world, the appearances of the Madonna all over the world, the moving Madonna, the statues which literally move, which open their eyes, clasp their hands, and unclasp them, and so on, made of, you know, plaster or stone and wood and so on. The, the, The icons of Jesus which cry... The, the Madonnas which cry real tears sometimes blood this is happening by the hundreds of thousands all over the world now in the in the eastern world among the, the Hindus mm-hmm. we had the extraordinary milk miracle in September 1996 when for four days the the statues of uh, uh, Ganesha and Shiva and so on when offered milk laps. The milk, the milk literally disappeared by the millions of gallons. The 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 milk ran dry in India. The the shops shut, Parliament stopped. The streets were filled with long queues, going many of them to the temples for the first time in their lives, to watch this miraculous happening. We saw it in London in the temples in London, where the cameras were taken in the television cameras. And even the, the operators, the camera operators or, the, or the, uh, the, the interviewer would hold out the milk in a cup or a, or a spoon to the statue, which is made of wood, which is made of copper, bronze, silver, brass, and the milk literally disappears every single time. That, I think, is the most widespread and the greatest type of miracle which has ever happened in the world. It was all over, north, south, east, and west, wherever that puja was performed. The milk was not, of course, drunk by the, by the statues made of brass and teak and, and so on. Right. It was made to disappear by Maitreya and a group of masters who do that kind of thing.
1: Was it in any way announced beforehand? No. No.
2: It suddenly happened. There is a, a window in Clearwater in Florida. There is a a, a building.
1: I've seen it. I, in fact, I've got a I know, huge
2: I've, icon on the outside. I've got, I've
1: got the photograph.
2: The Madonna, 35 know, foot high. I know. In brilliant color. And when it was damaged by vandals, the color has reasserted. Oh, no, that's
1: absolutely true. Uh, Benjamin, hold on. We're at the top of the hour. The building he refers to, yes, it was vandalized. And then, miraculously... The image, overnight, was suddenly cleared up. That is an absolutely true story. Benjamin Krim is my guest, and we're going to open phone lines when we come back. And I imagine they will be
0: blistering. From the high desert, this is Coast to Coast AM. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. The night featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from July 10, 1998. to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. night featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from July 10th, 1998. Good morning. We only have a short time with Benjamin
1: Krimp. He's got uh, an obligation uh, later on today, actually, and he's in New York.
6: Time,
1: so what we're going to do is take calls quickly, and uh, we'll have him back at another time when he is not so... Uh, incredibly pressed. Benjamin Krem says Maitreya is now alive, and Maitreya is in London, and many things are about to occur. Uh, Benjamin Krem has had this uh, proven to his satisfaction through a series of miracles and communications, first from what I think we can call safely an ascended master, and then a communication from Maitreya himself I was being a little flippant earlier, but um, I still know that many of you would uh, believe that uh, Maitreya is instead Battre, which is the Antichrist, uh, but Benjamin Krem says uh, firmly, "No, that is not the case. In a moment, we'll take calls and see what you think. And the facts as I'm getting range from uh, the incredulous to the angry to the believing, uh, those of you who believe. And so we'll get to uh, phone calls in a moment. Benjamin Krem is indeed uh, known worldwide, and for years now I have received many requests from listeners to have him on. Um, unfortunately, uh, Unfortunately, he is in the country. Unfortunately, he's in New York, where later today I think he's going to be giving some kind of a talk and so his time is very limited with us this evening. Benjamin, uh, where are you going to be later today?
2: It's a talk at the, uh, in New York at the uh, Hotel Pennsylvania, the Skytop Ballroom, which is on 7th Avenue, opposite uh, the Madison Square Garden. 7th Avenue and 33rd Street, New York City.
1: And it will be... Uh, a
2: lecture on the emergence of Maitreya, uh-huh. the world teacher.
1: And so if people want to know more, they can uh, find out more uh, later today.
2: Yeah, there's a call-free number. They can get all the information they want about my information.
1: All right, what is that?
2: number, uh, 888-CALL-TOLL-FREE-NUMBER, 888-242-8272.
1: 8272. 8272. All right, let me repeat that. It's 1-888-242-8272. Is that correct? That's right. All right. Uh, here comes some uh, people. Let's see what we get. Uh, wild card Line, you're on the air with Benjamin Krem. Hello.
7: Hello, yes. Uh, first, I want to thank you for sh- uh, having Mr. Krem on. And, sure. Uh, secondly, I wanted to pose this question to the listeners as well as Mr. Krem. Uh, where, where are you? Uh, I'm calling from McLean, Virginia. Okay. My name is Shada Korangi. And, um, well, i followed this story for, for a while now, and I find it very hopeful and inspiring. And uh, all the Maitreya's teachings are based on practical spirituality, which is really rare. And his priorities are actually to ensure basic rights of living for everybody. So um, I just want to know, why don't we allow Maitreya to come forward and prove his identity and settle it once and for all?
1: Oh, I like that question. I, I really like that question. And again, Benjamin, these miracles were shown to you so that you have no doubt you now are forced to come to us and tell us of all this without, the, the, without us having the benefit of uh, the proof that you have received. So her question is really a good one. Why not let him come forward to the world and prove to us who he is?
2: That's precisely what is going to happen in the very near future. for He has been ready to come forward since the end of May 1982. But he has needed an invitation from humanity to do so, so that he doesn't infringe our free will by just simply stepping into the limelight. And my task has been to prepare the way, to create the climate of hope, of expectancy for his coming, so that he can enter our lives without infringing our free will. But to speak to the world to any degree, he needs the, the modern communications, the media of of the world, and the media of the world has been very reluctant to invite him forward. Well, I
1: I, I would do that.
2: Yes, well, I'm sure you would, because you're an enlightened man, but the media as a whole, over the years, Ah, are very very reluctant
1: to to take the story seriously. Do you really want want, a good forum for him? I, I will give it.
2: Well, very soon, he has been invited by one of the major networks, in this country, one of the big four. And he will appear. They have an arrangement that when he gives the time, he can appear, I think, within a few days. And uh, he has simply been waiting for an event which he predicted in 1988 with a whole series of predictions, one by one of which have come true. And uh, this one is of a world stock market crash which he said would begin in Japan. In, Japan, in 1988, this, the Nikkei average of Japan stood at 40,000. Within a couple of years, it had come right down to 14,000 points,
1: That's right. and for
2: the last couple of years, as you know, it's hovered around 14 to maybe 17,000 points. Yes, with the constant infusion of billions of yen into the economy by the Japanese government, and nothing happens. Then, last. Uh, October, November, we had the collapse of the so-called tiger economies, Uh, South Korea, Malaysia.
1: uh, The Asia crisis, uh, yes. The
2: Asia crisis. Then the stock markets of the West, the Dow's Index, the FTSE in London, and, and the others in Europe began to wobble, and they lost hundreds of points. But in a few days, they recovered.
1: That's right. Now, he's
2: waiting until that same collapse in the East takes place in the West. And when it's obvious that it's going to do so, he will take the invitation to speak on this major network of this country and then in Japan to come forward to help to to mitigate the effects of this crisis.
1: Well, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. I mean, I'm glad that you've got a major network, but... Maybe we could do both. I mean, maybe you could appear on the major network and on my program as well. I will do
2: my best uh, to bring it about.
1: All right. It would be a definite... Not
2: that I have any power, but if I could twist the arm of my master and he twist my trails, maybe it will happen.
1: Well, you wouldn't think... Twisting Maitreya's arm exactly would be the phrase. I'm only
2: joking. Oh, I see.
1: All right. Okay. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Benjamin Krim. Hello. Where are you, please?
8: Yes, I'm Arnold, and I'm from St. Paul. And I wanted to ask uh, Mr. Krim, does it bother him, or two questions, actually, does it bother him that he's stating about my master, Jesus, is with this other master he's talking about. And, this, and, and it's ironic to me that this uh, Maitreya, as he calls him, He's standing on the same platform as what they state to Antichrist. This ain't vile. This is, this is what, what it states, I mean, that he would come in doing peaceful things and then turn around after uh, in the middle of a seven-year tribulation, three and a half years, to do the dirt that he's going to do. And I wanted to ask him specifically, uh, how does he feel about uh, the delusions that the devil was send through this
2: man not up front, but come in as a choir boy. And
3: but I get no, what I you're saying. Yes. Yeah.
1: Well, okay. There there. you are. I told you, you there'd believe, be a lot of that. You
2: believe in, in that interpretation of your scriptures? I don't. I believe that the scriptures are real. Mm-hmm. They are prophetic and mm-hmm. truth, but it is a question of how you interpret them. They are not meant to be taken literally. They are symbolic. And symbolically and esoterically interpreted, they show a very different picture to what your expectations no doubt are but let's not try to be clever about this the tree is known by its fruit when you see Maitreya when you experience his love his wisdom the insight the the mind which is crystal clear and can cut through to the heart of every problem and illuminate the problems for us when you see his total absolute compassion I believe that you will have no difficulty in seeing him as he is, the Lord of love. Return this time himself with Jesus and a whole group of other masters, some of whom were the disciples around Jesus in Palestine who are now masters in their own right. And this will change your view, not only of my prayer, but of the, the Bible interpretation, which you take literally and accept as the pronounced truth.
1: All right. Uh-oh. I leave
2: it to your own intuition and experience when you actually see Maitreya. All right. Until then, all I ask is you keep an open mind.
1: All right. West for the Rockies, you are on the air with Benjamin Krem. Hi. Uh,
5: hi. This is Stephen from uh, Los Angeles. I did an interview with Bob Larson a few years ago as an abductee, and uh, I have been having a lot of psychic abilities since my abduction since i was a kid and i've been the black sheep of the family because of my abilities and bob larson asked me quite frankly says who is the antichrist and i gave him the answer of it's more of a consciousness more than it is an uh, individual now he said the same thing your guest benjamin um and i'm very curious as to um what is going on with abductees or people who experience things from the uh, another realm you mean the
2: so-called abductees by UFOs?
5: Um, I don't like to call myself an abductee. I like to call myself experienced, something uh, along those lines because it's never been a traumatic... Yeah, but
1: a rose by any other name was probably still taken up and probed, so... Yeah, you...
5: yeah pretty much. I just, it's, for me, it's never been a, a problem. It's been more of a blessing.
2: Well, since I've been asked, my opinion of abductees is that there are no abductees. ...that the abductive phenomena is in the astral imagination of the people involved. I know about the Space Brothers, I know about the UFOs... ...and my knowledge of them and their relation to our own spiritual hierarchy... ...is that they are totally beneficent. That they have no plans of any uh, malicious nature for humanity. That they don't need to abduct humanity they don't need to experiment on us they are so much more evolved than, our, than we are their craft are created by thought alone and they themselves guide them by thought alone and so, you know, the fact of that they would take up human beings and, and make little experiments on them to find out this, that about. they have known us for thousands of years they are so far ahead of us in our technology, in our consciousness, that the very idea of abducting us is, to me, just silly. Okay. It's silly. All right. People have the experience, because they see UFOs, which are seen by hundreds of thousands of people all over the world, but it sets up a kind of hysterical trigger reaction in them, excites their astral imagination, and they imagine they're being abducted. It's like a living... Dream, a waking dream.
1: So then, these uh, professors at these large uh, colleges, uh, universities, American universities, that have said they are going to study uh, UFOs because there appears to be uh, significant evidence worthy of study, are out to lunch and will find nothing.
2: Well, they are so real. they are so real. How can one explain it? Hundreds of thousands of people yearly see and have seen since... Oh, uh, look, no, 90, no, I know,
1: Earth. I know, there's no question about it, but what I'm saying is, you're saying they are manifestations of thought, and so, if that's true, scientists are not going to find anything. Oh, no, idea. I
2: don't, no, no, let me be clear about this. The UFOs, the unidentified flying objects, are yes. spacecraft. They are real, but they are made of etheric matter. Now, if you have etheric vision, you can see them, and what they, when they are seen, they simply lower the vibrational rate of the etheric matter until they come within our range of vision. It's a temporary manifestation. I see. And when they raise it again, they appear to disappear. They're still there, but they have disappeared from our range of vision. The Roswell incident is a specific case in, in part where there was a crashed UFO, deliberately crashed by a group of Martian uh, men uh, and women, who five of them, one of whom survived for a time the craft, the others were killed, on whom autopsies were made, and then the bodies themselves disintegrated, as did the the, the craft itself, because they are made of etheric matter, and so were in a dense physical state for only a limited state of, uh, length of time.
1: So then they are real, if I understand what you're saying, but. Uh, in in the sense of what not in in the physical sense that we See, understand. Not
2: the physical sense, but in the su- subtle physical, etheric physical. See, we recognize only three three uh, types of physical: solid physical, liquid physical, and gaseous physical.
9: Well, the three and dimensions. But above
2: gas, there are four further states of physical, which are the etheric planes of matter. Each one finer as it goes up, and it is of these four finer gaseous states that the space vehicles are made.
3: I've got That you. the
2: people for example, all the planets of our system are inhabited but if you went to Mars or Venus or Mercury or Jupiter you would find nobody but they are there. If you have etheric vision you will see them if you don't all you will see is a, a space, a, a, a planet which seems to be bereft of human beings but it is not so. Humanity, are everywhere in okay. cosmos.
1: All right. Well, I, I can buy into that. Uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Benjamin Krem. Hello.
3: Hello,
1: Art. Where um, are you, sir? calling you from Tennessee. All right, Tennessee. You're going to have to yell at us. I can barely hear you. All
10: right. Is this better? A little. Uh, Mr. Krem, these yes. masters of wisdom, some of them are walking the earth now?
2: Yes, indeed. There are, are 14 masters in, in some of the major cities of the world, and plus Maitreya. There's a master here in New York since 1975, one in London since 1975, apart from my prayer, one in uh, Geneva, one in Darjeeling, and one in Tokyo, one in Rome. The one in Rome is the Master Jesus, who has been living there for more than seven years now and is in charge of all the Christian churches. And one in Moscow, there's one near uh, Los Angeles, one in Cairo, and various places around the world. Uh, Eventually, there will be about 40 masters, plus my trail.
10: The uh, one in New York, is that Howard
2: Stern? (laughs) No, you don't don't know him. (laughs)
1: Um, You you
2: don't know him at all. He's not a sort of well-known name.
1: Actually, actually, um, I wouldn't rule it out, caller. Uh, I, I appreciate your call. Thank you very much. And I I, I wouldn't rule out anything with regard to Howard. Uh, West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Benjamin Graham.
11: Hi, Art, this is Randy at from Redding. Yes, sir. Um, I'm curious, if these beings have so much power, then why would they need
12: a national forum in order to be exposed? I mean, couldn't they make themselves known to us?
2: You mean without
1: the use of electronic media? Yeah, exactly. exactly. He
2: doesn't need the electronic. If he wanted to, he could... His face could appear on the television sets throughout the world simultaneously in the middle of your favorite program. Well,
1: then why not do but it would then? would never maybe? do
2: it because it would be a colossal infringement of our free will.
1: Oh, what look, the, the mean, very worst well, that would happen well, if somebody God, misses a soap opera, who are, cares?
2: I have been working for 24 years publicly now simply to create the climate in which he can do it without infringing our free will. When we ask him to come forward and make himself known on a world scale, the the television networks of the world will be linked together through satellite which are in place for this event so that for the first time in history the world teacher can come forward and speak directly to all people without the need for intermediaries, priests, organizations, and so on. And on that day you will see him on the day, what we call the day of declaration, in which he will declare himself openly as the teacher for this coming age.
1: Well, I'm going to tell you right now, a lot of people are going to regard that as the day of the arrival of the Antichrist.
2: Well, they may do, but they will find very different in a very short time. They will come round because they will recognize his goodness, they will recognize his love, they will experience it on the day of declaration as they have never done before, his love will pour through the hearts of all humanity. It will be a repetition on a world scale of what actually happened at the Pentecost 2,000 years ago. on a much.
1: All right, Benjamin, I know that you have a, a date today. You're, uh, you're going to speak in New York, as you indicated earlier. And I want to tell everybody again, more information can be garnered by calling one 242 8272 Is that a 24-hour number? Yes, I think so. All right, we'll we'll have you back at another time, more convenient uh, to your day, and we'll get further into this. I really want to thank you for uh, joining the program this morning.
2: It's been my pleasure. Thank good, good luck for with you your
1: show. good luck with your talk later, and don't forget, I want him on my show. Oh, I'll try to raise the talk. <laughs> <laughs> Benjamin be a Graham. Priority. Thank you. Take care.
0: Uh, that's Benjamin Graham, folks. We'll have him back. This is Coast to Coast AM. You're listening to Art Bell, somewhere in time, on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from July 10, 1998. The night program originally here, July 10th, 1998.
1: Good morning, everybody. I'm Art Bell, and in a moment we're going to go to Open Lines for the remainder of the evening. We will have Benjamin Krem back at some point, and hopefully, uh, if he can arrange it, we'll have Matreya. Now that would really that would really be something, wouldn't it? Anyway, a couple of items to cover with you in a second. Then we'll launch into Friday night, Saturday morning, open lines. <laughs> Uh, The U.N. is telling us that if we don't pony up the money we owe, we're going to lose our vote. Uh, Ted Turner is saying, apologizing for the story that uh, CNN ran. And he said that if mass suicide would help, he'd commit it. And I'm a little puzzled about how Ted Turner could commit mass suicide unless Ted is more than like one person. So I'm puzzled about that. Surely he wouldn't expect CNN employees generally to follow him, would he? I understand he's sorry about the the story, but to, to offer mass suicide, well, that's too generous. In uh, in in Afghanistan. Uh, apparently, a religious movement there has given all the people of Afghanistan 15 days to get rid of all their TV sets or to see them smashed by religious police. That's right. Also, video cassette recorders, videotaped and satellite uh, uh, programs um, as well, satellite dishes, all of them are going to be gone or they are going to be smashed by religious cops in Afghanistan. Now, the world of earthquakes is upon us. As you know, we had a very serious earthquake uh, felt in Anchorage, Kodiak, Fairbanks, Palmer, Cordova, shaking an area about uh, 225 miles by 500 miles. That's a big earthquake. It was 6.4. There also are uh, earthquakes uh, just now recently, let's see, Yucca Valley, about 20 miles north of Yucca Valley, Alcatilla Wells, California, that pretty good shaker about four point one Taft California All over the place. Uh, I've got a list here of the recent earthquakes and oh my goodness, aren't we active? Hemet, Ridgecrest. Mm mm mm. I could go on and on. A lot of earthquakes. A lot of volcanic action. A lot going on. Now here is um, here's a story that I just I want to get out. It seems that hundreds of people have put down 50 bucks a piece for the apparent thrill of running in front of two dozen bulls Saturday in an event patterned after the annual celebration in Pamplona, Spain. Organizers have taken steps to prevent the running of the bulls at the Oasis Ranch from becoming the mad, drunken, and sometimes deadly rampage that clogs the streets of Pampelona. The dirt road course is not so treacherous. Participants are expected to be sober. Why? And everyone is taking special care to be nice to the bulls. Well, hell yes. <laughs> Why would anybody pay to run in front of a bull? About 400 people have signed up. Idiots, to be chased by the bulls down a quarter-mile S-shaped road in the town, uh, the Arizona State Line, in southeastern Nevada, here in Nevada. (laughs) Why would anybody want to run out in front of a perfectly good bull? I have never understood this in Spain, and I sure as hell don't understand it here in Nevada. Crazy. Crazy. But I'll watch. It should be humorous to watch. And and furthermore, if you were going to do it, why would you want to do it sober? How could you do it sober? And then just one more item. Let me reread this, okay? Brace yourself. Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Every month for the past year, the story goes, a private yacht has quietly sailed out to sea for international waters. Aboard are 25 people determined to dive peacefully into David Jones' locker beneath the waves. Euthanasia cruises are a new way for the terminally ill to end their suffering and relieve uh, loved ones unable to cope with shattered lives. Privately financed, this rather bizarre venture is managed by a team of pro-Kevorkian advocates who maintain a very low profile. No advertising so far. But word of mouth has generated, get this folks, a list of 600 in the U.S. and Canada waiting to go. Weekly cruises, weekly, are being planned for the summer of 98. Although it says in the article, unattributed, uh, this reporter was not permitted to go aboard the chartered boat, somebody named Dr. Rogers, probably not his real name, is the motivating force behind this modern crusade that allows people to die on demand. With regard to the legality of euthanasia cruises, the so-called Dr. Rogers says, I don't know if this is a real story. Maybe it is. We provide a sensible service at a low cost. There are dozens of calls daily, and we're delighted to offer innovative and humanitarian plans that circumvent the archaic laws of our land. That sure sounds like Kovarkian. Thus far, euthanasia cruises have not been challenged in the courts because they function as a covert operation. And the one-way passengers are all willing to make the trip. As I said earlier, this, of course, invites all kinds of possible comic content, which I may try to avoid. You can almost close your eyes, and you can imagine the advertisement for this cruise. You can imagine the name for the cruise lines that would, would be doing this. It would be an international water zone. I wonder, wouldn't the laws of the, of the registry country apply? I would think so. I don't know. Crazy. Euthanasia cruises. You get on, but you don't get off. At least not, not at the... Uh, well, maybe you do. Maybe, you, you know, you walk on and you get carried off. <laughs> West of the Rockies, um, you are on the air. Good morning. Where are you, please?
13: Morning, Art. Uh, Vance here in San Jose, KSJO country.
1: Yes, sir.
13: I uh, listened with very great interest to Benjamin and Krim, uh, last uh, hour and a half
1: or whatever it was. And what did you discern? I mean, I, you should see the response. I got people either loved him or hated him and nothing in between.
2: Yeah, well, it's a
13: highly charged subject, and um, yep. my personal opinion, I first ran into him uh, when he, he came out with a book around 1982 or so, and I think it was Benjamin Cram and the Masters of Wisdom or something like that. I don't right, remember right. the exact title. Right. And I read through it, and there's two things that, and I didn't hear part of what he had in the book on the air tonight, and that's why I wanted to call.
3: Okay.
13: Um, I liked a lot of the spiritual messages and love and everything else, but what I did see also in the book... Was that it was basically a call to world socialism because uh, yeah they, I,
1: I caught a little part of that too in other words, all of the resources would be shared yeah. and that sort of thing yeah I heard that
13: so that that alarms me a little bit because um, in a way um, our Christian society has brought a respect to the individual and for our own efforts and you know gaining and if people don't make an effort they don't gain as much at least
1: well, uh, you know let's let's ask ourselves. Um, what kind of political persuasion do you think Jesus Christ would be if uh, if he were here now?
13: Well, I think he'd be a libertarian. <laughs> I really do. Yeah,
1: that's a good safe answer. Yeah, yeah, he might be.
13: You know why I say that? Because uh, Jesus basically said this world is a hopeless case. And their only hope is to think of the next one, and that's caused a lot of interesting phenomenon over the over the but past. he
1: he did he did say something about trying to fit uh, big old fat, rich guys through the eye of a needle. No, that was a camel, or I don't know something like that.
13: well, he sort of shunned that uh, he believed that we should all um just trust in God, you know there's so many um uh, parts of the gospel that said, well, you know if God takes care of a sparrow and you know you're more valuable than a sparrow kind of thing mm. that's that's one thing he said. And, um, by the way, as far as the Bible is concerned, I'm not a Bible-thumping guy. I'm sort of a spiritual guy, but I'm not um, a toe-the-line religious guy. And uh, one of the things Jesus said in the Bible, though, that Benjamin Krem addressed was the part about the Antichrist. And there's a specific thing that I was reading tonight about uh, what Jesus said about the Antichrist. And what he said was, if anybody says that this guy is the Christ or that is the guy who is the Christ, don't believe him. If he says, he's in the desert, or he's in the closed room. Don't believe him.
3: Yeah.
13: Um, he said Christ would come as the lightning in the sky, so to speak. He'd come in the clouds. It almost sounds like an abduction art, but you know that's where it the does. rapture comes from, where he'd come like one would be left, and one would be taken.
1: Yeah, you're right. It sounds like an abduction. You're yeah. yeah.
13: So it's maybe maybe these um, these light uh, ships that uh, you guys were talking about also. Maybe that's got something to do. Maybe Christ is coming in sort of in a multifaceted way that we can't even understand. Therefore, any one being or any one human being that claims to be Christ is not the Christ because Christ is coming in a different mode this time.
1: There's only one thing that I'm relatively sure of. Um, it's probably not Howard, huh? <laughs>
13: you never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's
1: All right, thanks. We'll see, we'll see you later. Uh, maybe it's time for the euthanasia cruise. Book'em, Dano. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello.
10: Yes, sir. Uh, I am the Antichrist.
1: Oh, welcome to the program. Uh, Thank let, you, Art. How can how can we know, of course, that you are the real McCoy?
10: Time will separate the truth tellers from the liars.
1: True. Yes. True.
10: But I mean, a very is, short is time. There, oh, really? Yes.
1: Uh, let's talk timelines here. Mr. Antichrist, uh, when will the world be aware of your reality, aside from my program?
10: They will be aware of me and who I am, without a doubt, before uh, uh, 99 comes to a close. Really? Yes.
1: That is very soon indeed. In what will be the manner of this awareness? Are you going to, like, suddenly interrupt television programs, or what?
10: If if I fail to... to seize and rule this world. Yes. Every person and every form of life on this earth will
1: go to extinction. Really? Yes. Now, I was told that you would be saying stuff like that but that we shouldn't listen.
10: You were told that and you have been drummed uh, that has been drummed into the people by the very religious leaders that claim to lead the people to life and
1: peace and happiness. But by in, God in, in, and by Jesus, and it's all a lie, really. Uh, you're saying that you are the the real, true leader that's coming t- to lead us. Down, yes, sir, uh, I am. I'm down. the one
10: that's written of in all all the uh, religions and all the uh, the scriptures.
1: How long have you known who you are?
10: All the societies since 1988.
1: And what happened then?
10: I was touched by the Creator of creators.
1: Really. Uh well i I'm almost at a loss for words, and that's I'm, unusual for me. I'm, a, I'm
10: I'm the same man that that uh, called you the night that the Hopis were on. No, I remember.
1: yeah, okay. I remember, and I, I I think I told you you should call back when we're in open lines, and we are now.
10: Right. Um, I would like to to ask each of the Christians um, that are that are listening to your program, yes, to take the time. I have to quote two scriptures, if I may.
1: No, you may not. See, I don't allow that. Not even for the Antichrist.
10: Okay. Um, you you, can, would, quote, you
1: would, can paraphrase them, if you will. I
10: would uh, paraphrase uh, Revelation uh, chapter 22.
1: Which says, roughly...
10: Um, Jesus is the, uh, the bright morning star. Paraphrased.
1: Now, it doesn't make sense to me that the Antichrist would say that. Anti Christ. See, you're anti Christ. So why would you say good things about Christ?
10: Well, the bright morning star is Lucifer, Satan's only son.
1: So oh I've got you. So then 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 Jesus is Satan and you are the Messiah. That's the that's the fact. I've got it now. Um well all right, I, I appreciate your call and we're going to have to sort of work on this long term. Before ninety nine, huh? West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello.
11: Hi there. Um, I'm not the Antichrist. <laughs> no,
1: uh, no, he was. Uh, turn your radio off, nevertheless, please. Okay, if... it's off.
11: Okay. Um, I'm,
14: this Krem fellow, I think it's odd. I don't think any of Jesus' disciples had 188 numbers, or that he had to pay to go to to hear him lecture. I mean, if his
9: this uh, his master is for real, how come he doesn't provide for him like a, a way of life?
1: A well, yes, but it might be said that even. Uh, the disciples of Jesus uh, had to eat and probably live somewhere and pay rent and all that sort well, of thing. what about right?
9: the fish and the loaves? They didn't have to go on electric circuit. They went from town to town on their own free Well, years. I know, but
1: that was then. This is now. We're in the modern world. Well, just a thought. Well, no, it's, it's not a bad thought, and I don't, I don't rule it out. And, and if he really is ready to come forward, I sure want, want to get him on my program. I'd make a hell of a heck of a program, right? Yes. I well, pre- I hope you do. All right, sir. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, something I want to do before my euthanasia cruise sets sail. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello.
15: Hello, Art. I can't believe it. I'm on. i knew new. Persis- persistence pays, right? Well, it does. Um, I've um, often thought you um, should have a guy on. Maybe you've uh, heard of him before. His name is Richard Kenninger. He wrote a couple different books. One no, that's,
1: that's one person I have not heard of. What, what does he write about?
15: Oh, you gotta have mine. You gotta have <laughs> well, one. So. Well,
1: I but okay, okay, tempt me.
15: Give me a okay. reason. Okay, uh, one book he wrote uh, was called The Ultimate Frontier. That was his first book back in uh, '63. And um, concerning uh, Matria and um, that subject, um, he yes. wrote a little bit about that in a uh, book he wrote in uh, '86. I think it was called Spiritual Seeker's Guidebook. Yes. Um, he I mean, he's just so it's the same quite fascinating. S- same, same uh, sort of thing.
1: Pardon? Same sort of thing as Benjamin Crimp.
15: Well, he he comments on uh, Maitreya, um, but um, I don't think he would... Uh, well, I mean, I know he wouldn't um, say that Maitreya is um, a good person or a good uh, uh, entity. Uh, would he
1: view uh, Maitreya as the Antichrist?
15: Uh, yeah, I mean, I just reread read uh, a couple pages in his book um, that he um, talked about that, and um, he... Um, that um, I think Krem said that uh, he um, studied um, uh, the teachings of Alice Bailey. Yes. Did he also say something about uh, the Theosophical Movement? Yes. Well, now that's interesting, because he said, uh, Krem also, that um, the Antichrist uh, was uh, in Nazi Germany. Now, I understand that, uh, well, at least according to Kenninger's book, uh, Spiritual Seeker's Guidebook, uh, that... Um, This woman, Helena Blavatsky, uh, was um, um, she influenced uh, people who were tied in with the Nazis and uh, Hitler, and that um, I guess she uh, headed the Theosophical Movement, and then um, uh, Alice Bailey kind of took over um, uh, when she died in
1: 1891. All right. Well, that's all very interesting. I, I appreciate the call. You know me, I'll listen to anybody. I mean, you never know. You really never know. Do you? Oh yes,
16: I do. I read the Bible. I know exactly what
1: the story is and you're serving the lower powers, Art. Well, maybe. I just listen. Not really serving anybody.
16: Well, when you put somebody like that on the air, you
1: are. That's what I get. Should see the faxes. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Art. Yes. Just one word of advice, if I
17: could give it to you?
1: Sure. One word only?
17: Well, it won't be one word. One statement. I see. Just, just forget all the Roswell crap and give your love to the men in black.
1: You hung up. Give my love to the men in black? You know, I mean, that's the kind of thing that a guy in black would say. Forget all that Roswell crap and give you men in black. Well, that's something a man in black would say. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Hello.
8: Oh, hello, Art. Uh, yeah, I'm glad I got through. Um, I don't know if you were aware, uh, in 1982, there was an advertisement that was... Uh, it appeared in all the world papers. Yeah. Um, some of my guests were full-page ads in London and... Uh, About Matreya. Yeah. Uh, I'm calling from Phoenix. It was, well, I,
1: I think the one caller had a point. Why would Maitreya, even though we live in an electronic age, need to take out ads in newspapers, or when he finally gets ready to, you know, say, here I am,
8: exactly. need my
1: show or ABC or NBC or CBS or whatever network, maybe even CNN. Of course, they're probably a little gun-shy right now, but uh,
8: why, Exactly. why would
1: he need a- any of that?
8: I don't know. You know what was interesting about this ad? Um, Let's see, this appeared, believe it or not, I saved this art. I don't know why, but I did. Um, It appeared Sunday, April 25th, 1982.
1: You're going to have to hold on during the break if you uh, you want to continue. All right, well then, hold on. Back in 82, huh? I just don't understand why somebody of that stature would have to take out ads, but... who am I? I'm Art Bell, actually.
0: of Post to Post AM from July 10, 1998.
1: Well, something very disturbing has occurred. As you know, I'm a smoker and it looks like I have... Smokers know every now and then you lose the fire at the end of your cigarette. It came off uh, intact and landed somewhere and I can't find it. I originally thought it might have landed in my lap which is a particularly upsetting thing for a smoker. And generally, you don't determine that that it has dropped into your lap until it announces its unwelcome presence. But that hasn't occurred, and I can't find it. I don't know where it's going. So, up in smoke. (sighs) Well, okay, uh, Keith has done it again. And you would have to go looking for it otherwise, but if you will go to my website right now, Under the latest website editions, there is something that says, Who is Maitreya? And if you click on that, you will go directly, I repeat, directly, to a picture of Maitreya. I wonder how this photograph was captured. Anyway, if you're curious, uh, there it is. Uh, uh, Just go up to my website, www.artbell.com, And there will be, uh, that first item says, who is Matreya? Click on that and take a look and see who you think that looks like. Oh God, if we didn't get a photograph. He should have told us, uh, Benjamin should have told us about that. Anyway, I I would take it that would be uh, Matreya in one form, or the the real form, or what? Because he apparently morphs at other times. All right, uh, back now to my caller. You're back on the air again. Oh,
8: hi, Art. I hope you didn't uh, start a little fire there. That would be kind of scary. I <laughs> know it. your you
1: gas it's <laughs> really upsetting when, when these things disappear from the end of your cigarette and you don't know where they have gone. But I don't, I don't see any unusual smoke yet. Anyway.
8: Uh, anyhow, um, on this ad here, uh, like I said, I saved it all these years. Um, I don't know why, but I, I felt... Maybe there'd be, you know, the, it would have some significance later.
3: Uh huh.
8: Um, there's a few things interesting about it. Uh, one of them, uh, was that it announced, like I said, this was in April, April 25th, 1982. In the ad, it says that, uh, Lord Maitreya yeah. would be revealing himself universally,
1: right.
8: uh, to everyone in the world over Telepathically over everyone's television set.
1: Now see. Within now you're now you're cooking. Oh, within. Uh-huh. A...
8: Oh yeah, yeah. And obviously that didn't happen.
1: So uh, now Madrid is going to have to rely on the electronic media. Right. It's uh, um, well right away that causes some people to be suspicious.
8: I would be very suspicious. Um, let me read that part here. We we'll
1: still make a great show, though, don't I? Oh yeah.
8: yeah. It says when will we see him? Uh, it says. He has not yet declared his true status, and his location is known only to a
1: very few disciples. You don't think he'd appear on Howard's show first? <laughs>
8: I think that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> it says one of these has announced that soon Christ, he calls himself Christ in here. The, uh, the ad starts out the Christ is now here.
1: That See, that immediately, that gets on a lot of people's cases.
8: That does, yeah. It says uh, soon will acknowledge his identity, and within the next two months, and this is in 1982, will speak to humanity through a worldwide television and radio broadcast.
1: Well, then there was another uh, being that was going to appear on UHF television down in Texas, and that one didn't pan out either. No,
8: I I would give this, uh, you know, the
1: same... Short shrift, huh? Um,
8: Oh, they've got some other... It's full of uh, symbolism. It says... uh, Well, I'll tell
1: you this. The people who are devoted to uh, Benjamin Cream... Crimp, excuse me, uh, really are very, very devoted. I mean, they're very serious about this. I would be highly uh, skeptical. Well, I (laughs) am. I I, I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you. On my international line, you are on the air. Hello. Oh,
5: I thought I was on the ground.
1: Well, uh, you you probably are on the ground somewhere. Where are you? Hi, this is Nathaniel from Nanaimo. Nanaimo. Uh, Remember me?
18: Thank you for your email. That was very kind.
1: Uh, You're welcome. You, you know me. Don't don't tell people that because it will encourage them to think they're going to get an answer from me.
18: Oh, I know. Okay. I that can't answer
1: all my emails.
18: It was very nice of you, though. And I was wondering, this, I, this is not kind of weird. It's actually a comment and I have two questions.
1: There is no weird on this program. Okay.
18: I, 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 would, I'm not, I, I was trying to test the strength of my sisters the other day, right? And so I was cutting pennies in half. No disrespect to the Queen or anything, but
1: wait a minute, um, wait a minute. You, you, wh- why are you cutting pennies in half? To see how strong my scissors were. I was just seeing if I could do it because I saw it on TV. I'm you like, have a I'm pair I'm of scissors that can cut a penny in half? Definitely. I'm serious. And I was cutting an American one in half from the 80s or 90s, and it was silver inside. You cut an American penny in half? Oh, it was no. I said no disrespect. I just was doing. Get, it a, for get them. a get get a trace on this number.
18: <gasps> you don't do that, remember?
1: Uh, well, yeah, but when you deface American currency, that's a different story. All right. got to stay on here. Think of something to say that will keep you on 30 seconds more.
11: <laughs> no, but I found it interesting. It was silver in the middle. Right. And then the one from
1: 1945 was pure through the way through. I found that was kind of neat. Uh-huh. What makes you think it's silver? It, it just was the color silver inside. Do you, you understand know, but... there are severe laws about defacement of U.S. currency? I have no idea. You have no idea? You you have no idea how serious this breach is? No. Fine. All right. That's 30 seconds. We got it. Okay. All right. Good good luck. Bye. We'll send you a file or something. West of the Rockies, uh, in a cake. You're on the air. Hello. Hey, Art. uh, This is Bill calling from the state of Washington. Hi, Bill. And I have a wonderful,
17: well, it's not wonderful, it's a very strange kind of update on the weather up here, it not The whole uh, year really wasn't that uh, noticeably different. But uh, tonight, the National Weather Service issued tornado warnings for eastern Washington. Uh, I'd kidding. say probably north of uh, Walla Walla.
1: You're kidding?
17: I'm not kidding. They told them get down in the basement.
1: Washington? Yes. Wow. Amazing. Uh, it is amazing. The state of Washington at this time of year, that doesn't make sense. Well, especially
17: where it was. It's a real dry, sort of deserty area. Is it now expired? I'll have to listen to Como again, but they said uh, earlier tonight, because we were expecting thunderstorms here, and we might still get one here in Seattle, but uh, it was like, uh, get down in the basin.
1: And I'm telling you, these are strange times.
17: That is amazing.
1: Hey, did you hear Benjamin Krim?
17: No, I didn't. You didn't.
1: Tarn. Missed that on that one. Because I, I wanted to ask, to me, he sounded just like Father Malachi Martin. Really? Yeah. It was eerie, in fact. well oh, uh, I missed it. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate the call. So, tornadoes in eastern Washington, tornado warnings? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I, I think that our weather is going to be increasingly unbelievable. We actually uh, have a link now to Benjamin Krems Maitreya. Actually, I guess not Benjamin Krems Maitreya, but that who he claims is Maitreya, a photograph. So if you want to see what Maitreya looks like, now's your chance. Why would anybody run in front of a bull? As I said earlier, perfectly good bull. Why would anybody choose to do that? And the story here about the bull run here in Nevada is that people are going to have to be sober to do it. That seems an unreasonable requirement. Um West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello? That seems an unreasonable requirement. Um, that's that's the radio. Well, I'm glad to hear that you have a reception. But what you ha- heard there, that crackling sound in in that person's radio, that's um generally that was a very good example, actually, of AC line interference. Uh, you know, you get a little uh, spark over on a pole out there, and that's what it sounds like. That, that kind of little uh, crackly sound in the background. Uh, wild card line, you're on the air. Hi. Hello. Going once, going Hello. twice. Yes, you just made it by the skin of your teeth.
7: Hello. Hello. This is Tracy calling from Seattle. Hi, Tracy. Hi, and um, I just wanted to say that the gentleman that was talking about Madame Blavatsky and yes. the Theosophical Society. Yes. Well, that publishing company is the one that John Anthony West publishes this Serpent in the Sky.
1: Oh, no kidding.
7: And almost all of that and that Graham Hancock speaks about is uh, right up there. I mean, it's all out of the everything that Blavatsky said in her Isis Unveiled book.
1: Right up so, there, huh?
7: Yeah. And he's right about the tornadoes. I'm from up here in Seattle, and uh, that's crazy. We couldn't believe it.
1: How frequently uh, do you get tornadoes up there? Never.
7: Them? I looked it up, and there's no history of it.
1: At least not until they now. Said,
7: huh? They said, hi you know, go to a shelter." Well, we don't we don't build shelters east of, you know.
1: That's a very good point. Go to a shelter. Well, what do they mean by go to a shelter?
7: We don't know. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> so um yeah grab that isis unveiled and it's not as it's not as crazy as it sounds
1: all right <laughs> all right i appreciate it take care and as i said uh, yes if uh, matreya's coming why i want to have matreya on my program but he's already been booked by a major network Darn. of course i understand i guess you know if one of the big three gives you a gives you the opportunity you've got to go that way but They'll probably chicken out anyway, so maybe we'll get lucky. West for the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello.
19: Yeah, Art, this is Scott from Denver calling yep. uh, 630
1: K. Yes, of course.
19: Uh, yeah, I listened to your guest. Uh-huh. and um,
1: Sounded just like Malachi Martin, didn't he?
19: You know, I hope Gary North is listening. Didn't he sound like Malachi Martin? Yeah, he did.
1: Why you know, why, why? do you hope Gary North is listening?
19: Well, because he said that uh, he's talking about Japan and how the Asian market went down and Yes. It affected us. Well, he said the next time the Asian market goes down is when this supposed. Yeah. It's supposed to come up. Well, yeah. as Gary North said, April 1st, 1999 is when they hit fiscal year 2000. And, of course, what's going to happen to the financial markets? I don't know. Japan's going to, to freak, and then they're going to start selling the U.S. stuff. We're going to have financial chaos, and then this guy's going to come in. And he did sound awfully
1: socialist to me. Yeah, spread the wealth kind of deal.
19: So I, I, I,
1: I agree. All right, thank you very much. Uh, it did sound that way. But, you know, in a lot of ways, if you read the Bible, and if you read about Jesus, you would have to conclude Jesus, at a, very, a bare minimum, was a socialist. Somebody called earlier and said libertarian, but um, actually... Uh, his own particular political philosophy would lean towards socialism, certainly. Right? Sharing uh, what there is, and that the uh, the fat rich guys would have as much chance of going to heaven as pulling the um, the humped camel through the uh, eye of a needle, that kind of thing. Wild card line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, hello. Going once, going twice, going three times, gone. Uh First time caller line, you're on the air.
6: Hi. This is Casey calling from Colorado Springs, KBR Hot Talk, 1300.
1: That's the way to do it. <laughs> you're going to have to yell. You're not too loud.
6: Okay. Better. Um, maybe it's just me, Art, but I think maybe I've just gone too cynical and in my old age or something, but I've just never heard of a Messiah always hitting his favorite disciple up for bucks every time he sees him. <laughs> I mean, is that strange? Is it just me or you know I mean well, it
1: might be just you
6: well, Bruce the old bag lady, you know it gives him a couple of bucks, and yeah, then, yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's a little strange. yeah, I
1: mean it really is true i I have a hard time with that myself, but you never know i mean <laughs> but but I'm with you i'm I'm kind of cynical about things these days, and i I don't embrace anything automatically and it did seem strange to me why would matreya be asking for money
6: yeah but, you know maybe well you know i mean yeah you just you know think thoughts of the messiah you know you think you know he's done all these miracles to prove himself and, and well all...
1: but to benjamin Krim, yes not to us uh, not as of yet
6: right but you know he he, he did all the miracles and, and then he
1: and i don't mean to put down miracles but you know something <laughs> Uh, Benjamin quoted a big thing about, well, I'm sure you heard it, about milk or something.
6: Right, right. Now, I
1: I know this is impertinent, but I require advanced notice yes. of a miracle. And then if it happens, boy, you've got my attention.
6: Well, you know, I mean, you know, I figure, you know, if he can, you know, cause, you know, idols to slurp up milk and, and what have you, that he should be able to, you know, support himself without, you know, hitting people up for a couple of dollars. I mean... It just doesn't make any sense. I don't, you know. My, you know, I kind of put my money on, you know, Christ being on Mars and now uh, contacting Richard Hoagland. I think that's probably just as sane as anything else. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Thank you very much. Uh, Richard, thus far, has not made that claim. And uh, if he's here on Earth, he, he might be on Mars as well. But, well said. I don't see anything burning up in here yet, so... East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello.
11: Hey, Art. uh, This is 321 in Peoria, Illinois. 321? Yeah. It's good enough for you, right?
1: Kind of an unusual handle.
11: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Three things. Let me get them all in, please. Three, huh? Yeah, all right, first of all, Jesus did not have a political philosophy, you know, anything... Well,
1: I know, but we're imagining if he were here today what it would be by contemporary I, I standards. Think, so. I
11: think he'd know the right way, which would be libertarianism, so, you know,
1: that's okay. my vote.
11: All right. All right, uh, after that, Blavatsky and the Theosophical Society. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to research that, and then from there I'd actually go on to Alistair Crowley and Thelema. Um, okay, the third thing...
1: Uh I forgot. Well, that's that's because that's what happens when you snap your fingers. Yeah. You forget. Alright, well I'll catch you next time. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah, take care. I mean you call up and say, Art three things. You gotta let me on okay? a ball on and then he forgets number three. International line, you're on the air.
5: Hi Art, this is Eric calling from Amsterdam in the Netherlands.
1: Oh, Eric, welcome to the
5: program. Um, I, I'm calling uh, to announce the unfortunate visit of Barry McCaffrey to Europe. And uh, he's uh, apparently starting to spread a whole bunch of lies. And The, the Netherlands uh, ambassador, just the, the uh, most recent news over the top of the hour, the, the reports that uh, the Netherlands ambassador is very irked. Uh, that um, uh, Barry McCaffrey would have said that the Netherlands drug policy is a total failure an unmitigated disaster I believe is the quote
1: uh, well look I I really need to speak more to you so my bosses love it when I do this I'm coming up on a break can you afford to hold on I can All right, good Uh, stay right there from Amsterdam in the Netherlands where they have a very different kind of uh, drug policy as a matter of fact We've got a caller, so we will hold this caller online or try to anyway through the break and come back and talk with him about what actually goes on in Amsterdam where drugs are freely available and there's much consternation about whether or not it works.
0: You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from July 10, 1998. Mark somewhere in time. Tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from July 10th, 1998.
1: Well, the callers are correct. Here it is. It was a... It's expired now, I guess, unless they renewed it. Uh, but I've got a bulletin sent from uh, my affiliate KONA in Washington. It's incredible. Tornado warning, National Weather Service. The National Weather Service in Spokane issued... Uh, past tense, a tornado warning. Uh, It's not a watch, it's a warning, was for Southern Penned uh, Oriel County, I'm probably slaughtering the name of that, in Northeastern Washington, Northern Spokane County in East Central Washington, into 1 a.m. Pacific Time. That, of course, has now passed. At 11.56 p.m. Pacific Time, there was a funnel cloud reported over the Deer Park Airport uh, by law enforcement moving northeast at 30 miles per hour. It says here the tornado will be near Newport by 12.30 a.m. Pacific, now thankfully passed. And then it says, go to the basement or a small interior room on the lowest floor. Good Lord. You know... Out here in the West, as a general rule, not an absolute rule, uh, a general rule, we don't have basements. So if you were to hear this, uh, as one caller pointed out, it would be extremely worrisome. Then here is another faxer It says, Dear Art, didn't you do a story about radiation levels in Europe being a thousand times normal, uh, particularly in France? Why would you vacation there then? Weren't you worried? Well, you know what? I didn't even think about it. But I've got I've got a uh I've, I've got a Geiger counter here and I'm now pointing it at myself. And it doesn't seem to be beeping particularly. Oops. It oops. oops. It's beeping. Not unusually beeping necessarily, but uh I don't know if I like this. Let's see. That's quiet. Sounds like background radiation, probably to me. All right, We'll be back in just a moment. West of the Rockies, you're on the air high. Hello,
11: Hello. Hello. Who is this?
1: Uh Who, are, have... who were you expecting when you dialed?: oh, this our? Bingo.
11: Oh, sorry, Art, you just kind of threw me off. Why why
1: would I throw you off? I mean, you dialed my number. Yeah,
11: I had a delay on the radio.
1: Then I said something approximating, hi, you're on the air. That (laughs) has meaning. I guess that was stupid. (laughs) Anyway, what's up?
11: Hey, Art, did I get you right about a, was it a six-ton air conditioner? Five. Five Five-ton?
1: Yeah, five. Wow, that's incredible. Well, you know know where I live, right?
11: Yeah. It's real hot here. Oh, I bet. Holy smoke. It was hey. like the
1: nightmare on Elm Street, though. I mean, it's like they put in one part, and then they had to put in another part, and then they had to put in another part to, wow. ca- to you know, to allow for that. So, anyway.
3: Hey, this, uh,
11: I'm Jeff from Roseburg, Oregon. This yes. This is KTBR. Yes. Anyways. Um...
1: By, the, by the way, I should tell the audience, I meant to go back to the fellow in... Uh, we lost the connection uh, with Amsterdam, I'm sorry to say. Oh, i, I had to go back yeah. to that guy, but he's gone. Hey,
20: uh...
11: You know, I'm out here in Oregon. You know, I'm used to the green trees and all that. And where you live, you're, you're living out in the desert like that. Is That's it, right. Do I picture a lot of sand and you know tumbleweed or? Yeah. How's your, well, how's yeah your front, we have
1: we have tumbleweeds. Yes.
11: How's your front yard like? Is it just full of sand with tumbleweed in it or? Well, not
1: sand exactly. Uh, it's more like <clears throat> it's more like clay and um, some sand and uh, dirt and. Yeah, tumbleweeds and cactus and, uh, you know, it's like the real desert.
11: The real desert, huh? Yeah. That's interesting. Well, I've got not not much to say. I just enjoy the show and we'll catch you later. All right, take care. If the
1: gentleman from Amsterdam would uh, be so kind as to call us back, it's toll free. That happens a lot of times. I'm not exactly sure why. You go into a period of silence during a break in an international call and you get a disconnect. Uh, for whatever reason, it may be they do that automatically on international calls. I don't know. Let's see. Oh, with regard to the cruise, here's somebody writing. This is the uh, euthanasia cruise. Good morning, Art. Hey, what's the big deal? I, like many others, will take my mother-in-law along with me. A good time for all out at sea. Dave in Chicago. I don't know, Dave. The whole idea of a euthanasia cruise. Do you think... Now, I've been on a lot of cruises. Do you think that uh, there would be the tooting of the uh, the boat's uh, whistle and people would throw confetti and stuff when they leave? Or even more confetti or no confetti? Or maybe they'd throw something else more appropriate, to Anyway, west of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Yeah,
20: Mr. Bell. Yes, Hans in Seattle. Can Were you, can you hold
1: on a second? Because my international line's ringing. It might be the guy in Amsterdam. Sure. All right, hold on. Let me just check. Hello there, you're on the air. Where are you calling from, please?
20: This is
5: Eric again from Amsterdam. Oh,
1: I'm I'm so glad you made it back in.
5: So am I. You went to you went to me and and it just went click and I went oh no. Yeah,
1: that kind of stuff happens. All right, now first of all. Aside from the, the fact that McCaffrey's over there causing trouble, what is the general situation now in Amsterdam? Tell us the truth.
5: Okay, I will give you the truth in five paragraphs of my own writing. How about that?
1: Well, it, well, it's it, it,
5: it quite quite frankly, I know what you I know what you mean about um, about people reading stuff over the air. Yeah. Trust me on this one, Art.
1: All right. Well, I, uh, here's the deal.
5: Uh, Interrupt interrupt me.
18: Yeah, here's the deal. Now, now
1: when I first did nighttime talk radio, my boss said, okay, I'll put you out there, but if it doesn't work, the big hook is going to come along and yank you out. That's fine. Okay, so under that principle, I'll allow you to go ahead.
5: Okay, due to the elegance with which the Dutch system of proportional representation and the generally much functions and the generally much more civilized nature of political debate and political process in the Netherlands, The Dutch have been able to partially rid themselves of the yoke of prohibition, albeit under increasingly fierce and vitriolic international bitching, fuming, sniping, Mm. name-calling, threats of impending doom, and abrogation of international treaty obligations, particularly on the part of France, Britain, and the United States. Personal possession and use of drugs, both hard and soft, are entirely legal. Yeah. the open sale of marijuana hashish magic mushrooms the entire range of ephedrine and pseudoephedrine products often termed smart drugs and all other substances not appearing on the officially banned on the list of officially banned substances like cocaine heroin and methamphetamine is mm-hmm. officially tolerated under the dutch policy right the results have been spectacular now since research in the us is forbidden entirely there's nothing relevant that exists there however the same is not the case for the
1: netherlands well what is mccaffrey over there saying i mean what what is is he saying it's a failure he he said
5: uh, uh, as of the top of the hour the america online is where i got it from that it's been an unmitigated disaster
1: well did he quote statistics
5: he did not and and the uh the uh dutch uh uh, ambassador to the United States uh, is is properly quoted as saying he is is confounded and amazed because now a couple of buttes from the official documentation of the Netherlands drug policy published jointly by the Netherlands Ministry of Health and Justice, yeah. uh, updated regularly and entitled appropriately, the drug policy of the Netherlands will elegantly dash some of the pervasive lies which masquerade as common sense on this issue, those lies which Barry McCaffrey is coming to Europe with in his suitcase. First, marijuana. In the absence of the silliness of prohibition, marijuana's appeal and pathology is as follows. Use begins in the late teen years, 17
1: to 18. All right, well, look, you don't need to go through all this. I know about it. No, it's
5: that. one more sentence, yeah. one more sentence. The appeal of the drug peaks at age 23, and its use disappears entirely after, uh, nearly entirely after age 30. Now, uh, can you imagine trying to tell that to the Partnership for a Drug-Free America?
1: No. Okay, no. now
5: further, cocaine use, the research in the Netherlands shows, does not yield negative sociological, physiological, or, or uh, psychological results until its use exceeds 2.5 grams per week.
1: Well, yeah, but it does. Basically,
5: I... I, 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 I'm sorry. The research is the research is here. And, well, all right, and, fine. And, but and, I just I happen to disagree with that too. I think well, that's let, a bunch let, of crap. come up I, with the figures. Come up with the figures. All right. I, 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 I have I have quoted for you my source, and uh, you come up with. Uh, all right. Look. Uh, talk, let me tell you. So hold it please. now.
1: Now no, pause now. Let me say something. All right. right I'll fine. let you trattle on there. Um, look, <laughs> cocaine. Is a drug that, in order to uh, unlike marijuana, in order to achieve the same level of high, requires increased dosage. There's no question about that.
15: Um,
5: the, the, you're, no, you're, there's you,
1: no question about it.
5: There is a question about no, that. there is, isn't. You're, you build no, you, you build, build a you tolerance are, to it. You are making a, you are proceeding from assumptions which are flawed. No, they're not. Yes, they are. They are not because there are no because y- there, the the base. Assumptions that that you you are proceeding from what you think is is common sense, but your common sense is is a, a pervasive uh, fabric of lies.
1: And no, they- no, no. All right. See, that's all right. Thanks. That's where you and I part company big time. There may be a lot of lies and untruths told about marijuana, but the fact that uh, to achieve the same level of high requires a continued and greater use. Uh, and an amount of cocaine is a general truth. So, I'm sorry, I disagree with that completely. I think cocaine is an extremely dangerous drug, extremely dangerous, extremely addictive, and ruins lives, not just because it's illegal, uh, but because it really is a very damaging drug. I believe that. And when you try and lump marijuana in with uh, cocaine, uh, you do irreparable damage to any possibility of a rational drug policy in this country. I don't give a damn what they're doing there. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Ah, hello, Art. Thank you for waiting.
20: Not a problem, not a problem. This is Hans in Seattle, where we listen to you on Como 1000 AM.
1: That would be uh, tornado country.
20: Well, yes, Uh, which is why I'm calling, actually. Really? Yeah, really?
1: Do you have um, a Do you have a basement?
20: Do I have a base? Yes, I do, as a matter of you fact. You do. And a little small room in the basement.
1: Do most people have basements?
20: Um, I would say probably most people here have basements. Really? Yeah. I every house that I have ever been in, which has of course been three, um, at least the older ones have basements because it was the style. That's you know, cool. the basement was the thing to do. I here guess.
1: we don't have them. Uh, they don't you know, go I to mean, the basement. They,
20: you go dig into clay. You know, you don't like to... The people out there don't like to do that. Well, we have clay
1: hard. on top, but then we have caliche. Do you know what caliche is? Yeah, I
20: have... No, I'm not a geologist or anything... Caliche
1: remotely. is like steel. I mean, it's really just like yeah. steel.
20: Which, which is why you guys do a lot of flooding and that sort of thing. Water doesn't go in, and digging into it is a, is, is a pain, if nothing else. Um, I wanted to call you, though, that you had a woman on before you went to the break um, that was from this area and was saying that we never have earthquakes. Ah, tornadoes here. Yeah. And she is... Actually, very wrong. Um, we have in it's the past. Not, you're
1: not exactly what I would call Tornado Alley. Up no, there, we're, right? no, we're not.
20: And, and I will agree that they're very rare, but they do happen. Um, in the past four years, I believe uh, we have had four tornadoes um, somewhere, give or take. Uh, we had two of them um, about two years ago. One of them touched down in a motor, motor home mobile park. Of course. Of course. Um, another one was up in Elam Claw. It didn't actually touch down, but the funnel appeared and then went away. And I believe it was last year or the year before we had a tornado um, that touched down in Tacoma and took off a chunk of a church before it went away.
1: Some guy sent me something really cool that I put on the uh, website. It was called a mobile home tornado escape pod. <laughs> and it was a thing where if you get a warning and you get a message like that to go to your basement, of course there isn't one. So what happens is the guy in his easy chair with a supply of beer and television, you just push a button, and it all descends down below ground until safe. <laughs>
20: cool. Um, I was We had a uh, on the Northwest News Channel, they had a thing on, on tornadoes in this area, um, and one of the supposed experts on it was saying that um, recently we have had an increase in tornado sightings, and um, according to their studies, it is because we have had more people. Um, a lot of the tornadoes, he says, that
1: to occur, Oh, now I don't know about now, this that. This is what he
20: said. I don't know. Um, I mean, I know back in 1965, the year I was born, um, in November, there, it's are more,
1: there are more tornadoes because there are more people? No no, no,
20: no, no. Not because there are more people, but they're That's being noticed said. because there are more people. Oh, I see. There, you know, the people are beginning to move out into the country, into the areas where people didn't used to live. Yeah, that
1: might be an argument that holds water.
20: Um, I mean, we had a tornado in 1965 that went up about four miles in Tacoma, started in a park, knocked down 100-year-old trees, actually went between the house that my parents were in and I was in and our neighbor's house, right between the two of them, and over over the little rise and and went away. So, I mean, we have tornadoes here rarely, yes. Um, Never? No, we have them here. I
1: I have another theory. Okay. It's because of the proliferation of mobile homes. (laughs)
20: You know, I, I think I think the, the the some sort of magnetic thing that happens when you get a bunch of mobile homes together it creates some sort of
1: that's right field and that's vortex. Right. And that's right. So why is it not equally reasonable to say it's the proliferation of mobile homes? More mobile homes, more tornadoes.
20: Um that's uh, that's a good enough reason for me. All right, I, sir. I, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to go into a mobile home.
1: All right, I, I appreciate the call. Thank you. Prejudice sucker. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. How are you doing, Art? This is Allen
12: from Pennsylvania. Where in PA? I am in the Philadelphia area.
1: Philadelphia area, all right. Linda Howe country. Linda Howe country, yeah. Yes. All right. And the other night, a gentleman called in. Got to work fast. We're at a break. Okay.
12: And he mentioned a a man by the name of Alex
1: Collier to you. Oh, sure. I've interviewed him. Oh, no, I haven't.
12: No, that's right. You thought it was somebody else. That's
1: right. Another another Collier.
5: Check the guy out on the website wild stuff absolutely wild uh, stuff would be perfect for a coast-to-coast and really? a dreamland
1: alright, so I'm up for it, you know me, I'll do anything yeah, that's right, yeah, I'll do it so you should check him out alright, Okay. appreciate it, take care maybe okay. somebody out there who's got a contact number for Alex Collier will be kind enough to send it to me sure why not if it's interesting, I'll do it. Somebody else is suggesting that we have a deadline. You know, we've never done that. A line where only the dead could call in.
0: Cool. We'll be right back. This is Coast to Coast AM. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from July 10th, 1998. Somewhere in time. Tonight's program originally aired July 10th, 1998. I'm intrigued.
1: Remember Day of the Dead? Was it Night of the Dead, Day of the Dead, The Walking Dead, something? Dead have been known to make calls, and so I could have a deadline, couldn't I? It's worse than thought. and other facts from Joe and Worcester Worcester Mass Art, first off, I agree with the lady who called tonight regarding your guest having to give money to this Messiah wherever he meets him What's up with that? Secondly, why was your guest chosen to have this revealed to him rather than say, you or I? Well, I don't know about that. Finally I have viewed the picture of the Messiah through the link on your website and it didn't do a lot for me. Actually, it looks kind of like Saddam Hussein Well, I don't know, not that much like Saddam, actually, but same genre. I would agree with that. All right, here is the story about McCaffrey. So the caller was correct. Uh, The Dutch caller was uh, correct. The Clinton administration's drug czar raised the ire of the Dutch ambassador, ambassador by criticizing the Netherlands' permissive drug laws. Retired General Barry McCaffrey who was traveling to Europe today on a fact-finding tour, <laughs> said the Netherlands' policy of letting its citizens use marijuana and other soft drugs for therapeutic and recreational purposes was, quote, an unmitigated disaster, disaster, end quote. The Dutch ambassador to the U.S. said he was, quote, confounded and dismayed, end quote, by McCaffrey's description of the Netherlands' drug policy. He said that on uh, cnn 's talk back live well again, you see in the story it says nothing about uh, cocaine it is it was my understanding it was the soft drugs that were available marijuana so called soft drugs, uh, magic mushrooms, uh, various things of that in the, in that uh, particular line, but not cocaine so What do I know? I'm here, he's there. I I didn't think they made cocaine available. I still don't believe that, but I could be wrong. What I also believe is that cocaine requires increasing dosages to reach the same level of whatever it is you get when you do it. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello? Hello.
17: Uh, Is this our bill?
1: What would be your best guess?
4: Uh. Yeah 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 oh that was pretty cool
17: yeah um well how's it going
1: well it appears to be going all right
17: I... yeah um uh, this is uh Joseph over in uh Paris California paris yeah near riverside okay um uh, just, just like to say that you got a great show going uh i I, I was thinking about going to to do that stuff, you know, going to radio and stuff like that, and trying to be, you know, kind of cool like you and know, stuff.
1: You mean you want to be a talk show host? Yeah. Well, why?
17: Uh, because it seems like you're making a lot of money and stuff going on all those cruises and trips, you know, to France and Egypt and all that stuff.
1: So that's why you would want to do it? Yeah, and but it, see, it, you, you've got your priorities mixed up. You're you're seeking the rewards before you, you 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 dive into the the meat of the job. I mean, it's like you've got to want to be a talk show host to be a talk show host, and then if the rest of it comes, it comes. You see what I'm, i mean? Yeah, yeah. See, so you're you're part of the American instant gratification generation.
17: Huh? Huh? <laughs> what does that mean?
1: Well, all right, I'll try and explain. And there's, there's another reason why you're not eligible yet to be a talk show host. What it means is, uh, I ask you, why do you want to be a talk host? And you tell me, well, because I want to go on cruises and go to Paris and stuff like that. And what I'm trying to explain is that that, that is not exactly the way it works. Uh, first, you should want to be a talk show host so that, because for the pure joy of the job, of doing, of of entering that career, of doing that work, and then, if you are successful, uh, things like cruises and trips to Paris can be yours. But in the meantime, you're part of the instant gratification generation in the sense that you want to go to Paris, but, and that's your primary goal. That's sort of a benefit, a side benefit of it. It's not uh, anyway. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Art. Hi.
9: How are you? Fine. My name's Mitch. I'm from uh, Windsor, California. Yes, sir. Uh, land of KSRO. Uh, indeed. Uh, also a ham operator. I won't give my call sign.
1: Thank you. No, that's a no-no.
9: Um, just want to let you know that my mother and I both uh, enjoy your show, and listen to you for years. Thank you. I'm a first-time caller. Um, first, I kind of had something uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, your, at least your opinion uh, okay. on it. Right. was the fact that uh, our fearless leader, Mr. Clinton, uh, when he went to Red China, um, I, I feel as though he had ulterior motives other than uh, going over there.
1: What do you think his motives were?
9: Well, I don't know if you listen to um, Mike Savage
10: or uh, um. Savage
9: Nation. No, they had a little insight he uh, plays on uh, KSFO.
1: right I know I know of him but I you know I don't receive KSFO here so I can't hear him
9: right okay well I, I kind of I mean I'm not the paranoid type and I'll get to my point That I think he uh, went over there and to uh, get the officers of uh, the uh, uh, communistic China to get onto our battleships for eventually what might be uh, a one uh, world government I mean, huh? you can call me paranoid
1: okay pretty uh, paranoid sir
9: Huh?
1: you're pretty paranoid well, well.
9: yeah I mean I, I, I pretty much keep an open mind to it just wonder what you thought about his visit over in China and what his real motives were
1: well you know actually in a lot of ways I thought it came off pretty well uh-huh. publicly I expected it to be a big disaster. Right. It really wasn't. Okay. At least as far as I can see. I, you know, I I was in Paris when he was in uh, Tiananmen Square, and I I got to see it. What was that
9: like? Being there in Tiananmen Square?
1: Um, Well, I have not. I have not been in Tiananmen Square, sir. I I said the president was in Tiananmen Square. Uh I've been in communist China.
9: Okay.
1: But not Tiananmen Square. Uh Aha. And uh, it's a scary place. I I bet. Really, truly scary. You're watched every minute. Uh Uh-huh. You're not particularly liked. Right. And not particularly welcomed. And you have the feeling that, you know, I don't want to get in trouble here, or I'm never getting out. That kind of deal. Right. It's kind of like
9: going to Mexico,
1: but worse. And and getting in trouble is real easy. (laughs) Yeah.
9: (laughs) I I definitely agree, Art.
1: All right. Take care. Um, Yeah, I thought publicly... From a PR point of view, uh, the President's trip went pretty well. I, I didn't know that any uh, Chinese leaders were installed on our battleships. That's a little worrisome, if true. I hadn't heard that. Um, east of the Rockies, you're on the air. Uh,
12: good morning, Art. Good morning. Uh, I wanted to um, offer a slightly different viewpoint on, on what you said earlier about Christ being a socialist. Um, uh, I would make the argument that um, you know Christ um, upheld um, the keeping of all the ten commandments, yeah, and because uh, he told us to love one another and, and and to love God, right. And if you keep the first four, you your obligation of love to God is, is served. And if you keep but loud, but but, but
1: but suppose, for example, you're really a rich guy, mm-hmm. you have so much more than you need to maintain your own level of comfort, whatever that might be, mm-hmm. all right, and you don't help anybody out. And you walk past people who need help, and you drive past people who need help mm-hmm. in your mind scoffing at them or or at least not giving a damn.
12: oh, I think Christ told us what to do. He told the the rich man you know um when when um the rich man that told him that you know he kept all the Ten Commandments, and then Christ asked him, you know, you know would you give all your money and help the poor and the rich guy had to think about that um because basically. That falls back on another um, truism that I think it's it's in the Bible. It says that the root of all evil is the love of money, Um, but money itself Mm -hmm. is not the evil thing. It's the love of money, the lust for more money.
1: And um, well, what does lust for more money mean? I think. I mean, what money? uh, uh, Do you have a job? Oh yes, sir. Do you working right now? Pretty. Oh, you're working now. So you're calling me on your boss's time, right?
12: Well, it's a very easy. What
1: would the good Lord say about that? Well, and anyway, that's not the point. <laughs> um, and and you're calling on a toll-free number, so I guess it's all right. Yeah. But uh, my my question is, you make what by the hour? You make uh, about nine fifty. Nine fifty. Mm-hmm. Do you want to make more?
12: Yeah. Well, that's not the point. I guess that's not the problem. I guess the, the,
1: the do you the lust, Do you lust for thirteen dollars an hour or sixteen dollars an hour?
12: I, I guess there's a fine line, maybe. You yes. know, I, I think though that um, that that, the, the, that there are some people in the world that money has become their god, and that's that's where it becomes a sin. Um, one thing that's interesting about communism and or socialism is that you know a lot of people have the idea that it's a share the wealth program, but every country in the world that's ever you know voiced a communism onto its people has been a consolidate and control the wealth program, and you know, which brings up an interesting thing that I've been studying, um, that um, oftentimes um, communist movements have been started by by rich guys. Um, there are several books that you can get from, um, uh, I forget the author's name, but he he writes about uh, uh, communism and uh, or the rise, or it, I think his argument was like Wall Street and the rise of Bolshevism and Wall Street, the rise of um, Hitler. He has like four books.
1: You know, pure communism uh, sounds good, and when I say pure, I mean pure. I have seen no example of it uh, on this planet yet, because it always becomes perverted, and those with the power take the money.
12: Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's it's like to me an ingenious um, uh, vote-buying scheme, which in, in this country it's being done under the name of, of liberalism, I think, largely, and the Republicans are letting it happen.
1: Um, uh, actually, though, it's being also practiced by Republicans he, well I mean they're both yeah. doing it everybody's buying votes
12: well, they're the Republicans uh, in my mind and the Democrats so I, I don't even know if you can really divide it up but they're both um, um, they're buying they're, they're basically um, for welfare for the rich for the for the, the entire
1: welfare, sir the entire that's why I finally gave up on the Republican <laughs> Party because the entire system is oriented toward buying votes one way or the other largesse uh, distributed to those who have realized they can get it.
12: Well, that's why I like the libertarian arguments. Me that too. Basically, say they want to divorce government from so many issues that basically the government can't use these issues to divide and conquer us and to basically us. Here, here, it. here, here. you're I, right on. I, I called in that night that you had, um, Harry Brown on the yes. very last caller, and, um, I, I just, I really think it's wonderful that, that they're, that they're getting your support. I and will then. have Harry on again. Can I ask you another thing? Uh, some time ago, you had a guest on, I forget his name, but he was, uh, arguing that he was the real life um, uh, Jerry Fletcher. Do you remember who that guy's name
1: was? And oh. You were going to check him yes, out. Yes, I do. I did check him out. Yeah, wh- what did you find out? Mixed results. Really? How, how did but, you but, you know, in, in a way, that's what you would have to expect mm-hmm. with a real-life Jerry Fletcher. Mixed results, right? Uh, there were about half the people I contacted who thought that he was loony bins, mm-hmm. and the other half backed up what he said.
3: Hmm.
1: So... I didn't immediately have him on again. I thought about it, and I've still got the number, and I'll probably have him on again. Because he,
12: he advertises, or I think, I guess it's him uh, that's advertising in a paper that I get, the Spotlight, and uh, they, it's in the classified section. And I've been thinking about, you know, I think he's selling a book or something. And I said, well, I'll wait until he gets back on Art Show and then give it a thought to maybe buy
1: something. But, All right, well, uh, hang in there. I'll probably have him back on. Yeah, the conspiracy theory guy, the real-life Fletcher, eyeballs taped open the whole thing mind control. Very interesting. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Hello? Hello. This is Art Bell. Everybody asks that. Um, turn your radio off, please. Okay. Hey, you got it off?
11: Uh-huh.
1: Good. Yes, this is Art Bell.
11: Hello. Hi, this is Ray from uh, Washington.
1: Yes, sir. Tornado country. Yeah. What's yeah, that? in fact,
11: uh, we had one uh last couple years, in fact, in a row. Uh, last year
1: was the Tacoma incident. Well, all I can say to you is you guys better behave yourselves. Um, now, I-,
11: I was wondering if you heard of a book called The Bible Code.
1: Yes, Michael Drosman. Yeah.
11: Mm-hmm. Um, have you looked into that in a- at all? I have. What do you think of that? Well,
1: I I don't know. They say that it's uh proven. Uh, but if you do a search and you look, you sound nervous. I don't
21: know.
1: Uh, you, and, I,
11: I got a hold of you. I see. It.
1: Well, if you do a search um, and you're looking for specific phrases uh, in something as lengthy as the Bible, you're going to find them. Now, whether it's supportable that you find them with scientific regularity or not yet, I have not determined. But a lot of people are saying it is absolutely so. I just wonder why God would put stuff in a code.
11: Oh, yeah, well...
1: In other words, words, why not just say it? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the call. Uh, Why not just say it? Thou shalt not kill very clear. Why would God put predictions about when presidents are going to be killed in a code that would have to be deciphered by a computer into the Bible? That part bothers me a little bit, but um, I'm open to the possibility that uh, it is scientifically verifiable. Believe me, I'm open. Uh, First time caller line, you're on the air.
16: Oh, hi Art. It's a real pleasure to get a hold of you.
1: Glad you have where are you?
16: Jeffrey calling from Ohio.
1: Ohio, yes, Jeffrey. It's
16: extremely early. Well, um actually I wanted to tell you a couple of things that Helena Blavatsky of the Theosophical Society. Yes. She came right out and said that the masters of wisdom are satanic demons. Well and
1: there's a lot of people that believe that, I know.
16: Yeah. And um were you aware that uh Benjamin's uh magazine, Share International, is actually uh supported by the UN for some reason.
1: Really? Yes. Absolutely. Well then maybe the UN believes that uh Benjamin's um Matreya is real and is going to come back and organize the world in the way that the UN hasn't been able to do yet. Yeah, no doubt. Don't you find that kind of shocking that the UN would be involved with something like that?
3: No,
16: really? No. I mean, that's an awfully big. You know, I I've done a lot of study on this guy in the last year and a half, and uh,
1: I don't even think we had to pay our dues. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, no, I totally to agree. Yeah.
16: Did they ever pay those parking tickets, by the way?
1: You know what? They said, (laughs) the U.N. uh, yesterday said that if we don't pay our debt, they're going to take our vote away.
16: Oh, you know, Russia's got 15 now. That was a cool move. He's what? Russia has 15 votes now. (laughs) Isn't that a cool move?
1: (laughs) Well, how can they afford it is my question. Absolutely.
16: I don't know if they're paying their dues either. I think we're supposed to do it. 25% 25% or something?
1: Well, you know, probably the deal is that we're going to pay for Russia's dues while ignoring our own. You got it. After all, we're, we're paying for their space program and largely ignoring our own. Mm-hmm. We're uh, paying to have their nukes uh, taken apart.
16: Yeah, well, we're a loving country. we got a lot to give. We're very sharing, you know.
1: Did you hear the report earlier tonight about some defector who says there are teams uh, training even in the U.S. to assassinate Americans? I did.
16: I was reading that. Uh, I actually got email on that from a buddy of mine.
1: Great friends, huh?
16: Like, quite interesting stuff. Yeah, I've got... Uh, I wonder got... if
1: I'd be on that list. They would have to take over broadcasting, right? Oh well, Lord, I hope not. You're providing an incredible service here. Listen, can you hold during the break? Okay, stand by. We'll be right back. From the high desert, this is Coast to Coast AM.
0: You're listening to Art Bell, somewhere in time, on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from July 10, 1998. Presentation of Coast to Coast from July 10, 1998.
1: Welcome to the program, those of you who join at this hour. Anything is possible tonight, anything at all. Who knows? But then again, that's kind of the way I like it. Well, all right. From Terrence, the following: Art, the eye of the needle is a place. A narrow passage where a camel can get through and barely get through loaded. Hence, a rich man like yourself, quite a presumption on your part, I must add, uh, can get to heaven, but it's a rough passage. Thanks, Charles. Who says I'm rich? Besides, what is rich? I'm really not rich. Uh, first time caller line, you're back on the air. Hi.
16: Hi, hi there. Well, it looks like I made it through the break. That's good. I'm from you the did. U.S.
1: Uh, it's true.
16: Um, so really the main reason I called was, uh, like I started to say, I've spent about a year and a half really digging into this whole uh, Share International slash Benjamin Crumb slash my tray a bit. Right. And uh, I feel like I might be able to offer some insight for some of those questions you were puzzling about.
1: Okay. Fire away.
16: What's on your mind? You, you asked a couple of questions.
1: Well... Uh, I mean, there are all kinds of questions to ask um, with regard to what he said tonight. For example, why would he be required to or uh, be aware that he was in the presence of Maitreya when he met a beggar?
16: Yeah, yeah. He has all sorts of uh, question and answer uh, pages each month, uh, and it's all on the net.
1: Well, I know, but you just said you could answer questions.
16: Yeah, he 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 speaks a lot about uh, you know, kind of like being tested, you know, and uh, so much of this seems to be about um, whether or not the world is ready, and uh, it 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 seems like there there has to be a certain amount of faith. It's it's a very interesting uh, new religion, but uh, you know, I I guess it's heavily based on the New Age movement. with the esoteric and all this. But uh, he... he um,
1: so actually, so the, the answer is, a t- actually, it's a test.
16: Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, I actually
16: went down to his lecture in Atlanta last November.
1: Oh, there were a lot of people, though, who really... That's why I put the man on the air, because people by the gazillions have been asking me to do so. So
16: Yeah, absolutely. He's a very interesting man, that's for yes. sure. Um, I actually saw the man... Um, when he was being overshadowed by Maitreya, which at the beginning and the end of his lecture, he does an overshadowing. And uh, this lasted about 20 minutes, perfectly silent room, uh, lights dimmed down to about 50%, and I swear to you, he was glowing, okay? Like a lighthouse, he was glowing. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life.
1: Well, I have learned not to mock uh, or not to disbelieve just about anything because I've been caught up too many times, brought up short when something turns out to be true. So, sure. I'm, you know, I just remain open.
16: Yeah, it, it was, it's, a, it's a very interesting thing. I've, I've got a huge web page or website on it. I gave the link to Keith, so maybe he'll link it up.
1: Okay, well, right now we've already got about five or six links up there.
16: Yeah, he's he's, got, Well, this one uh, kind of links up uh, UFOs Et crop circles, my Well,
1: he talked about that too. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure you heard him. Uh, thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it. Yeah, he's a very interesting man. Now, I understand that if you've not heard of him or if you don't know of ben- Benjamin Krim, then to hear him suddenly, and to hear only an hour, hour and a half uh, in this case, you might sit there and think "crackpot city," and you might be right. Or you might be wrong. Now, on my website, there are there's an abundance of links, and you can do some reading and see what you think. But there are many, many, many people out there, believe me, like the man you just heard, quite articulate, who uh, follow exactly what he says, understand it, and tend to believe it. So there you are. Wild Card Line, you're on the air. Hi.
14: Hey, Art. Hey. This is right up in uh, St. George, Utah. Yes, sir. The thing to, what is it, KDXU 890? Oh,
1: they're actually a very powerful station. Yeah. KDXU comes in here, just crushes uh, into the area where I am, just a crusher mm-hmm. of a signal.
14: Yeah, I heard one night some guy said he was in Phoenix when he was listening to
1: it. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, 890 on the dial, same as WLS in Chicago, mm-hmm. but out west here. And they are big signal, yeah.
14: Hey, Art, uh you remember in the first hour somebody said about having a bull running in Nevada?
1: They're going to do it, yeah.
14: I sent you a fax a little earlier from the spectrum up here. They're talking about it. This is like they had it today. There's about 600 people who's going to run in it.
1: Crazy as loons.
14: And, you know what's even crazier? They pay 50 bucks each
17: to do it.
1: I know, and plus they were required to do it sober. <laughs> I think that was a completely unreasonable. I mean, if you're going to do something like that, you've got to be tanked. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, what what sane, sober person would pay money to run in front of a perfectly good bull?
14: Exactly. Hey, our Um, little uh, thing I was talking about with one of the guys that worked here the other day. Um, you know how um was it in November? There's supposed to be a meteor shower coming through.
16: Oh, it's going
1: to be a butte. <laughs>
14: um, in the scriptures, in the Bible, doesn't it, in like in Revelation or something like that, doesn't it say that there's. Isn't there it's like some, like, um, wormwood that's supposed to come down from the sky and kill about a third of the Earth's population or something Poison like that? Poison the
1: waters, yes, yes, yes. Yeah.
14: Doesn't that kind of, like, ring a bell or something? Well, so, you know, who knows?
1: Did you know that Chernobyl translates to wormwood? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs>
14: Very interesting.
1: Uh-huh. I appreciate your call. Come November, I am going to do my program from outside. It is going to take quite a bit of preparation to do. But during that intense meteor shower, I am not going to stay inside and do this show. I'm going to do it from outside. I don't know how I'm going to do it just yet, but I guarantee you I'm going to do it. We are also going to have a night vision webcam pointed at the appropriate part of the sky. It's going to be very interesting. Maybe we'll get to see a big one out there and talk it in. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi.
4: Uh, good morning. Good morning. Uh, listen, I think the reason people say Art Bell when you answer the phone, they don't realize that you're not screening the calls.
1: So, Yeah, I know. I know.
4: Call them directly in. There's a mystery of the world saw for you. Say, got to tell you my libertarian joke before I get off the air, but what's the kingdom of Nye?
1: Nye County, Nevada.
4: Ah, thank you. Um, remote viewing or clairvoyancy. Uh, my reading from a distance. Uh, it exists, yes? Yes. Okay. Is there a defense against it?
1: Um, we have discussed that at some length with remote viewers. And the the answer is a qualified yes.
4: I see. There would be ways I could find out if one was considered espionage by remote viewing or something
3: like yeah, that. Yeah,
1: if, one, if one's able to, I guess... Um, uh, master the discipline of remote viewing and uh, get very good at it, then one would m- or might be aware when one is being remotely viewed.
4: Very good, sir. Uh, Libertarian Joe, world premier. Uh, how many libertarians does it take to change a light bulb? <sighs> I don't
3: know.
4: Well, that would be none, because once libertarians find out that they're not bothering anybody, they're content to sit in the dark. <laughs> now, the reason I say that, Art, I had a caller call, call into uh, the most prominent political on the radio yesterday. He said he was libertarian, but he was going to vote Republican because he sees that the libertarian party is not going anywhere.
1: Well, he was a plant call then.
4: Oh, seriously? Inter- that's an interesting comment.
1: Well, it's an interesting comment, but I can make the same comment about the Republican Party or the Democrat Party.
4: I see. Well... I mean, I,
1: I mean, look, in the case of the Republicans and the Democrats... We have had all our lives, and the lives of those who have come before us, to observe where it has brought us.
4: I understand. Do
1: I've you? Been, do you?
4: I've, well, I spent many hours, up to 40 or 50, with a well-known libertarian talking about libertarian philosophy, and I uh, ascertained certain uh, theoretical shortcomings in the libertarian theory. For example, there is no allowance for greater good.
1: Um, yes, there is. It simply uh, relies on the. Um, on churches, on volunteer organizations, instead of the government. So, what are you talking about?
4: All right, bear with me, sir. You mean most polite, and I, I am very respectful of you and your, you know, your endeavors. Uh, I understand that Churchill had to make a decision during World War II, uh, finding out that uh, a village of 800 people were about to be bombed. Now, had he taken you know, in his own country, if no. he had taken a defense to. To trigger that, he would have triggered to the Germans that the code had been broken, therefore jeopardizing many, many instances, even D-Day, that would have uh, cost hundreds of thousands of lives. So he
1: made the decision for the greater good.
4: Yes, and what I pointed out to my libertarian friends, and I've been to libertarian parties, and they tried to recruit me. And actually, I have for you a gentleman who's a great future presidential candidate. I'd love to turn him over to you. He's in college now. But in any event, that's a conversation for another time. Uh, that that libertarian philosophy is very absolutist, and it would not allow for that greater good scenario.
1: Okay, I, I, I appreciate the call. Um, I'm not so sure about that. I'm not so sure that greater good wouldn't allow for the greater good. I'm not so sure about that. I think that would... Uh, uh, be within the philosophy. I think that libertarians would be very unlikely to get involved in any conflict that didn't come to their own shores or that they weren't sure was going to. So it would be, from a military involvement point of view, there would be a military. Libertarian Party certainly allows for national defense. But it would protect its own shores and would not be uh, likely to be very adventuresome. You know, protecting the world, as we appear to be doing right now. The world's cops, as we appear to be uh, right now. West of the Rockies, you are on the air. Good morning.
18: morning. This is Steve from Eugene, Oregon. Hi, Steve. Yeah. Did you get, have anybody call back about the running of the bulls in Nevada?
1: Um, well, somebody just mentioned it, and I had a conversation with a caller about it. I, You know, 50 bucks, and you're in.
18: Oh, okay. I just heard it in the first hour, and I had to turn off for a while, and I didn't know if anybody filled in any details. So yeah, that's, that's interesting.
1: And plus you have to be sober.
18: Yeah, which is different than over in Italy. Um, one question for you. Sure. How do you deal with people that are seen a little shy of a full deck?
1: No, one at a time. <laughs>
18: you have great patience.
1: <laughs> well, look, um, I'm of the view that if you're reasonably talented as a talk host, you can, you can talk to anybody about anything and have it come out to be, I don't know, somehow entertaining, informative, funny, something.
18: Yeah, because if it were me, I would, I would commit radio rage. Would you? Yeah. Well, I,
1: I've done it on occasion, but uh, I think as I've grown older, I've become more tolerant.
18: Yes. All right. Well, I enjoy your show.
1: Thank you, and uh, take care. Radio, he would commit radio rage. It happens very rarely to me these days. It can occur, but very rarely. I've become more tolerant. And as I said, um, I don't screen calls. As a matter of fact, that's all in all of the articles, there's a bunch of articles about me. I'm, there's a page plus in Newsweek this week about this program. There are four pages in the current issue of uh, Penthouse about this program, a very extensive article. I thought it was pretty cool to be in Newsweek. And we'll be in a number of other publications. But current issues on the stand, if you go out and get Newsweek, you will have the rare copy that uh, has a story about Coast to Coast AM this week, Newsweek. Not the July 6th issue, but the one that comes after that. I think it actually came out on Monday. Some areas don't get it till later in the week, but you can go out and get it now and you'll you'll see it. And then Penthouse has my name on it, but usually Penthouse is behind the counter, so you have to ask for that. (laughs) I'm, I'm waiting to see if my mom has a copy. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello.
6: Hey, Art, how's it going?
1: It's going fine.
6: Congratulations on the new air conditioner. Oh, well, thank you. Oh, yeah. Um, I
11: just wanted to make a comment. Uh, how everyone keeps saying that the end is near, the end is near. I hate to spoil their end of the world parties, but we're kind of living in the middle of the end as, as we speak.
1: In other words, these are the end days, but it's not over yet.
11: Uh, like the R.E.M. song said, it's the end of the world as we know
1: it. It's not over until the guy in the gray beard says so? Uh,
21: Whatever it is, it's, we're in the middle of it.
1: Well, with that, I certainly agree. Thank you. We are in the middle of it, to be sure. Oh, we're in the middle of something. We're in the middle of something that is coming, and coming now rapidly. I believe that with... Uh, with every fiber of my being. Not necessarily the end of the world. I'm not an end-of-the-worlder because the world is going to go on. However, whether we continue to walk upon it and twirl upon it, that's a different question entirely. Was to the Rockies, you're a dial tone. You're boring. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Going once, going twice, go on wild card line, you're on the air. Good morning.
21: Hey, Art, how you doing? Okay. This is Jeff in Topanga Canyon California. Hi Jeff um I had a comment about the antichrist
1: okay he called earlier.
21: I don't think so. I think the trait of the antichrist would be to try and seduce you and kind of uh, bloat your own your own self-image so that he could
1: uh well a lot of callers do that doesn't work but
21: the Antichrist tonight didn't do that.
1: You mean he didn't suck up? Exactly. Well, I mean, time will tell. He sounded eerily relaxed and sure of himself. I didn't like that part very much.
21: That pretty much sucks, as far as the argument on his part. Think so? Yeah. I also had a list of uh, some post-discontinuity pickup lines.
1: Post-discontinuity pickup lines? Yeah. (laughs) Number 10? Yes.
21: So, what rock did you crawl out from under? <laughs> Number nine. Is it hot out here, or is it you? <laughs>
3: um,
21: uh, eight. Can yes. I buy you a drink of water? Yes. Uh, seven. Mine shaft or yours?
1: <laughs> That's pretty good.
21: Six. How about a cold shower? Five. Let's go into the tunnel of lava. <laughs> Four. I love the way you sizzle. <laughs> Three. My cave has a pool. Two, mind if I smoke? And number one, want to go outside Friday
1: night?
21: <laughs> Thanks,
3: Art.
1: That's, that's a symptom of uh, too much Ed Dames. Listen, um, discontinuity is upon me. The show is over. Tell everybody good night.
21: Good night, America.
1: That's it. That's how it's done. Brad Steiger on Sunday, Monday, Malachi Martin from the high desert. Good night. Good night.